The Big Scary Show is brought to you in part by Dark Imaginings. Web design, creepy changing portraits, and much, much more. DarkImaginings.com From the deepest, darkest grooves, to the backwoods swamp at the bottom, from the inside of your casket, to the fears lodged deep inside your subconscious, it's time for the Big Scary Show. This is David from Haunted the Roxbury in Ypsilanti, Michigan, and you are listening to The Big Scary Show. Uh, my name is Tim Stebbin, and I am from Dark Court Audio Productions and The Nightmare Forge from Chicago, Illinois, and you are listening to The Big Scary Show. This is Joey Marsacci from GrimStudios.com, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. Hello, creeps. It's me, John Kassir, the voice of... The Crypt Keeper. <laughs> and you're listening to The Big Scary Show, the top podcast in the industry. <laughs> this is Matt Clayton with the American Horrorplex and the Isolation Tank Ensemble, and you are listening to The Big Scary Show. This is Dale Lettingham from Factory Terror, Canton, Ohio, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. Hi, this is Lisa Triplett from Ferriston's Haunted Forest in London, Kentucky, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. You're listening to The Big Scary Show with three big scary men and one that wears more makeup than I do. Welcome to episode 286. And happy halfway to Halloween. Drew Badger is going to be bringing us not only the latest deadline news, but some great interviews from Fear Expo. Meat Hook Jim is going to tell us stories about being clapped in irons. Um, not him personally, but you know, as a torture technique. Haunt Minute will have Storm ranting about the newest craze halfway to Halloween celebrations. Is this right behind the new Arbor Day celebrations? He will let us know. The Roundtable of Terror is going to bring together experts in utilizing sound in your haunted attraction. This discussion covers tips, tricks, and technical bits. It'll make you laugh, it'll make you cry, but most of all, it's going to make your haunt sound super scary. Then to follow up that discussion, I'll bring with you in my Ask the Old Crumb segment, my experience using recording software to create sound effects. So we've got music, tech talk news, and rants galore to keep you entertained while we hide the bodies. It's the Big Scary Show. Hello everybody, Drew Badger here. We're live at Fear Expo in Owensboro, Kentucky. And sitting next to me is somebody that you've heard on the show many, many times over the years. Very good friend, actually a special correspondent and vending for the very first time 
anywhere. It's our own Wicked Wendy. How are you doing? I'm doing really good. Having a really good weekend. You are here with your brand new company, Wicked FX. You've got some really, really neat stuff. If you are a clown character or if you work in some kind of a food haunted house area, you've got some really crazy, sick, like really disgusting things here. I do, I do. It's uh, kind of our our wicked little uh, creations, and uh, it's kind of fun to make. And and what is some of this stuff? I mean, mean, I'm I'm looking at, you know, claws. I'm looking at ice cream. I'm looking at all sorts of weird stuff. Well, right now we have three lines of different things. I have a fungus line of ice cream. I have a blood and bone, and I have my toxic. All of those are are printed in a PLA and then hand-painted, so they're nice and durable and lightweight to carry around, and they don't put a lot of weight into your scene. Then I have a lot of uh, sculpted prosthetics that I make, all silicone. Uh, and I have some wall stuff, some fungus wall applications that we can have. And lots of little, wicked little things to put into your uh, gift shops, too, that you can buy from us at wholesale prices as well. So, I mean, examples of that, like I see like little ghosts over here. And I, I see that they could be adapted for keychains. And, and you've got these hand skull looking things that you've got fitted one over a pen here. And, and this very interesting skull here, I kind of like this. It's, <laughs> it's rather holy, for lack of a better word. Yes, it is. It's one of our more difficult prints. That's why we've been printing it out here because it doesn't have any support. So it's a lot of fun. And we can print anything you want in almost any color. So, and I do all the, we can do 3D designing as well for you if you want. And we can do your own print ideas so you do custom work as well as just what you have here yes we do absolutely how can people get more information about wicked fx it's a brand new company here vending for the first time for uh haunters out here i assume the support has been good and i'm assuming you've gotten a lot of really interesting looks here and and some of the stuff here is just for lack of a better word really disgusting which is perfect how can people get more information see products and order stuff they can visit our online shop it is wicked fx it's w-i-k-e-d there's no c in it it's the devils in the details they can look that up on we are online and all of our stuff is up on the shop for right now so it's wicked w-i-k-e-d-f-x wickedfx.com yes it is well, Wendy, I wish you nothing but success in the new line of FX products and everything. Um, I see you've got the 3D printer going on right now, putting out yet another one of these skulls that are filled with holes. It looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. But once again, folks, we are live here at Fear Expo in Owensboro, Kentucky, checking out all the new vendors, all the, all the old veterans, and all that good stuff. Here in Owensboro, Kentucky, my name is Drew Badger for The Big Scary Show, and we're out. Out of the darkness of the ancient past, out of the dust of centuries and the inscrutable silence of the unknown, come two new adventures in shock and suspense on one sensational motion picture program. The The Mummy. Mummy. Plus Curse of the Undead. Fear will freeze you when you face The Mummy. It tears steel bars like paper. It snaps men's spines like matchsticks. It walks through bullets like a ghost. Wakened from the darkest tomb of the pharaohs, it stalks the earth with strangely human desires. The Mummy. And on the same program, Curse of the Undead. The haunting story of a faceless fiend who drained the young and beautiful of life. Together on one program, Curse of the Undead, and in chilling technicolor, The Mummy. Looking to step up your costume? CFX products perform in every environment. Film, haunted attractions, stage shows, theme parks, cosplay, and good old-fashioned Halloween. 
created for realism and comfort from the number one company leading the industry for over 16 years, a CFX silicone mask isn't finished until you put it on. Whatever your needs, CFX has you covered with silicone. And once you put it on, you too will agree that a CFX mask will be the most comfortable rubber you'll ever wear. Find your new face today at cfxmasks.com, cfxmasks.com. Shadow Symphony, Beneath the Dark, a big scary show exclusive.
Hello everybody, Drew Badger here. We're live at Fear Expo in Owensboro, Kentucky. Lovely little town here. We are awash in a sea of black t-shirts as everybody's making their way through the aisles and hunting and shopping and finding cool bargains and everything. But if you're tired of just basic black, or if you need some new black t-shirts, we got a guy here who's been on the show once or twice, talk with all his cool stuff. It's the Halloween Shirt Company. I've got Clint here. How you doing, sir? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, man. You've been here for, you know, you've been around for a few years. I've seen you at other shows and everything. How has this show been for you? It has been really well, really well. And we're only halfway through Saturday, so there's a lot of show left to, to go. And it's been, it's been really well. I, I am very pleasantly surprised at how many people have been walking through here. And, again, you know, you see a lot of people with their own haunted house, you know, promoting and everything like this. But you offer an alternative. You've got a lot of really cool stuff, not only in black but in other colors as well it's it's really cool halloween themed stuff right yeah we've tried to break away a little bit from the black you know and our different colors other than black have done really well some of our best sellers are not even black do you have a problem with black t-shirts sir no we love black <laughs> we love black t-shirts and we also uh we we also uh provide uh, wholesale to to retail stores haunt shops uh boutiques halloween stores and that kind of thing so What's kind of been your uh, hot seller, uh, either at this show or at Transworld or any of the other shows? What's what's big this year? Uh, a couple of things. We have the Trick or Treat Cat T-shirt and the uh, House of Horrors T-shirt, which is kind of a, a haunted house themed shirt. So that's really popular with the with this crowd that's here at this show. So. Everybody loves cats, so you know right. you, you, you got to love that. Cats are always big, always. And it, and it seems like a lot of people are kind of enjoying that vintage thing now. I, you know, I see like a couple of like. Frankenstein-esque kind of characters. They're some wearing 3D glasses, kind of harkening back to the days of 50s vintage horror movies and stuff. Is that a trend? Because I see a lot of people with, like, that classic 50s, 60s, 70s kind of Halloween vibe. Yeah, I think it is a trend, and it's, and it's very popular. And a shout-out to one of our artists, uh, Austin Parton. He does tremendous work and does a lot of our designs, and, and most of his stuff is kind of the vintage uh spooky looking style so just uh if you see him follow him on instagram austin part he does a great job for us if i was a haunted house owner and i wanted to do a line of shirts do i need to come to you and say i've got an artist here's a design you can make this or work off it or is there something that you do custom that you can create for me that's exclusive we do uh custom exclusive things that we do we don't do it for everybody but uh you know we we do do some of that now we can also customize some of our shirts that we have with your haunt name incorporated into the design or on the back so we we do offer those those kind of services as well so and and you said you did retail as well so you know fill up your concession booths with a lot of the stuff from this would be a, a really cool idea especially to the casual halloween fan you know you may not want to buy something with someone else's name and phone number and website on it but you've got a lot of cool stuff you know jack-o'-lanterns and skeletons and black cats all very very good looking stuff right and we we uh, our shirts are offered in several haunt gift shops across the country and you know, and, and like I tell folks that are interested in carrying our, our, our items, it's like if you, if you have the foot traffic, you're going to sell through a pretty good percentage of, of what, what we have. 
For people wanting more information about the Halloween Shirt Company, maybe to see a line of products, maybe you'd like to have something customized or otherwise, and and we didn't even mention the fact that you have bags, you have hats, you have patches, and other things, not just T-shirts, hoodies, pillows, sweatshirts, all that good stuff. How can people get more information with websites and social medias? Uh, Just HalloweenShirtCompany.com. You can search us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. And uh, or you can just go to Google the Halloween Shirt Company and we'll pop right up. And you are local in Kentucky, correct? We are in Greenville, Kentucky. We are about 45 minutes south of Owensboro, which is where Fear Expo is at. Are you uh, appearing at, say, CreepyCon in Knoxville or any of the other uh, shows coming up in the next uh, few months? Right now, we're on the schedule for Spooky Empire, Midwest Haunt, Haunters Convention, and then uh, Midsummer Scream. That, that's my favorite show of the year, man. I, I love that show. So once again, folks, HalloweenShirtCompany.com. Check them out. Go through their catalogs. Get yourself loaded up because you know how many black T-shirts you need. You always need one more. Once again, folks, Drew Badger here live in Owensboro, Kentucky at Fear Expo. Having a great time. And we're out. Good evening. My name is Deadfield, the zombie butler. Visit me and all my friends here at vfxcreates.com and check out the new Putrid Pete the Zombie Puppet. We have several new products that you might want to see. (laughs) See you soon at vfxcreates.com Music by Midnight Syndicate Hello everybody, Drew Badger here. We are live in Owensboro, Kentucky at Fear Expo. We're wandering around the aisles and I see a familiar, familiar vendor here that I have never seen at a trade show level before. He's vended at places like Carolina Fear Fest and other places because he is from North Carolina, local boy so to speak. Chris Strahan from Scream Fest Studios. Chris, how's the show been for you? Good. Cannot complain at all. We've had a good turnout of people come through, people I've never had contact with before, and being able to do some networking here at the show, laying the groundwork for future business down the road. So we're excited to be here. We're excited to make uh, new friends and new contacts and uh, excited to bring some new products to the show that might attract some of those larger haunts. So uh, I like the fact you've got long-range plans here. And speaking of said products, yes. one of the things I've noticed that you've had before are tombstones, which every good cemetery needs a bunch of tombstones. You've got some pretty interesting ones here. Some of them are large, some of them are small, some of them are familiar, you know, with certain names and things and, and clever sayings. I'm assuming they're all customizable. I'm assuming they can all be out in the weather through October or year-round. But you've got some other stuff that you've brought specifically for this show. Indeed. Um, yes, all of our tombstones are seasoned ready for your, uh, for your haunt. They can be out in the rain, wind, um, and definitely theme-oriented. If you have a specific theme, you want a certain style, you want moss on one side or the other, we can all make it customizable. The new product we're bringing to the table this year is a professional line of tombstones. The difference between these is that they have multiple mounting points. They are actually a wooden core structure wrapped in foam, and they also have multiple coats of hardener on it so it can withstand impact. So the idea is if you have a public area access to your cemetery, this is the type of stone that you want. Public can interact. If they knock it, hit it, more than likely they're probably going to limp on the way out, but it should withstand the, the damage that the customers can potentially do. But it's those pesky kids that want to kick over a tombstone and stuff. At least this won't break and they can run away laughing or whatever. Exactly right. It's designed for those who really can't 
have the real thing and don't have the shopping means to get the real thing, this is the next best thing. So we're going after the pros on this one, and we're hoping it uh, uh, gets gets a foot in the door and they uh, come back landing for more. So we're hoping for those kind of people. And, and like you said, everything is completely customizable. If I wanted my name on the haunt or the owner's name or the manager, some of the actors or anything like that, you can do all that. Absolutely. Everything's customizable. Uh, I work very well with people on div- making sure that their idea I interpret it and that they are getting exactly what they want. And and over here you've got a, a whole new line of something different. It's uh, right. uh let's say let's just call it etchings. That's so exactly you know, right. hey, you want to come over and see my etchings? Well, that's what you've got here. These are kind of neat looking. There's a lot of familiar faces and and maybe not so so familiar. But what are these? These are what I call my horror etchings. It's a uh, L- lit LED. Uh, a little plexiglass about five inches in uh, diameter or square and we can have these are also very customizable so if you want your business logo on them or you're looking for a specific horror character a lot of these we already have made but we can certainly make ones that uh, you have in mind for Uh, Judith Myers yeah we can make that or you have again like I mentioned your company logo all easily customizable, changing different colors, battery powered, LED powered, um, excuse me, USB powered, you name it. We can pretty much create whatever you need. So if I had like a central character that I kept coming back year after year and people come to see this character, you could make an etching of that character, maybe put it in your gift shop as a quote unquote limited run, and then maybe the next year do a different character and therefore making the first one even more collectible and more valuable, so to speak. That's exactly right. Yeah, we can definitely do those. And that has uh, come across as a decent idea to run and have You're very welcome. themed. Yeah, that's right. Very <laughs> themed, very themed characters. So yeah, the idea here is if you can think and you've got an idea for it, uh, or even like I mentioned, your business logo for your haunt, that's something that we can easily do. Uh, and make happen for you. So for people who want more information about your custom tombstones, these etchings, you've got foam skulls, you've got a lot of other cool stuff here, how can they get more information about Scream Fest Studios with websites, social medias, and all that? Absolutely. I try and keep it simple. I like that rule, the KISS rule. You can find me at ScreamFestStudios.com. Facebook is Facebook slash Studios, Or if you want to find me on Instagram, that's Instagram slash Studios. You can find me there, and you can email me even if you have an idea in mind and just want to chat offline, and that would be ScreamFestStudios at gmail.com. Are you going to be attending any other shows coming down the road in the same next three or four months where people might be able to see some of this live? Absolutely. Live and in person is much better. You can find us coming up at Memorial Day weekend at, let's see where we're at. We are at... Um, I'm guessing Raleigh. Yes, thank you very much. We're looking at Carolina, the Fear, Carolina Fest. Fear Fest. I'll get it out here eventually. And then also in September, you'll find me at Haunted Screams Expo, and that's in Hampton, Virginia. Very nice. So ScreamFestStudios.com. Go come by and visit all this cool stuff here. Chris, wish you nothing but success. Thank Glad you. the show has been going very Absolutely. well for you. And for your very first trade show, congratulations. It looks like it's being very successful. It is, and we look forward to coming back next year for sure. All right, folks, once again, Drew Badger here at Fear Expo in Owensville, Owensboro, Kentucky, having a grand old time with all the cool stuff here for the Big Scary Show. And we're out. Greetings, mortals and others. I'm Dick Terhune, the voice from hell. Walk with me into the marketing morgue. This episode addresses a topic of some sensitivity. I'm talking about 
inappropriate contact between you and your customers. Settle down, HR doesn't need to get involved, and this has nothing to do with touch or no-touch attractions. It's about how you get in touch and stay in touch with the people who buy tickets to your haunt. You've heard me say before that your advertising is your first point of contact with your customer. More than likely, hearing or seeing your commercial around Halloween season is how they learn of your very existence and, if you're doing it right, become immersed in your story to the point where they click that Buy Tickets Now button, beginning a long-lasting, beautiful relationship in the dark and scary place where you do business. But what about, and I know this is hard to talk about, those months that are not October? Is it awkward to do a social media post about your haunt in April or May? No, it is not, if it's appropriate contact. You worked hard to get all those customers to follow you back in October. Don't let your feeds gather dust the rest of the year. Just make sure the contact and content is appropriate. There are some things we should never, ever see on your feed. Look at all the great props and masks we bought at the trade shows. Here's what our build looks like. These are our actors. They can't wait to scare you. Whoa, check out this special effect we're going to surprise you with this year. Ever heard the expression, a good magician never reveals their secrets? Your audience knows that it's actors, props, scenes, special effects, but they want to suspend their disbelief and be entertained. That's why they're paying you. They want to be surprised. It's your job to maintain the illusion, and that includes every aspect of your advertising and marketing. If you're thinking, but I'm only open in October. Nobody wants to hear about Halloween until at least September. Come on, don't be that social media friend who only tags or DMs you when their kid is selling Girl Scout cookies or Boy Scout popcorn or some school fundraiser. You're a haunter. You have fun and interesting things you can post year-round to stay relevant and fresh in your customers' minds so you're not just popping up in September begging for tickets. Now, if your haunt is open other times of the year, like Christmas, Valentine's Day, St. Patrick's Day, Easter, you definitely want to be in appropriate contact with your customers to drive those events. And if you want to know how to do all of this right, take a look at what haunts like Netherworld, 13th Floor, Dark Hour, and Brighton Asylum are doing on their social media. Their logos, photos, and videos are professional, in character, totally appropriate to the event, and are designed to drive traffic to that Buy Tickets Now button. That's appropriate contact. If you're thinking, but those are some of the top haunts in the U.S. Well, how do you think they got that way? And you'll know you're doing it right when your customers are sharing your posts and creating their own on your behalf and influencing others to wear out that buy ticket now button. Oscar Wilde once said, there is only one thing in life worse than being talked about, and that is not being talked about. With appropriate customer contact, you'll give them something to talk about that will drive your success in October and beyond. In future episodes, we'll rip further into the guts of haunt advertising and probe the most effective and creative ways you can market and promote your haunted attraction. 
Got a question? You can message me at Voice From Hell on Facebook. I'm Dick Terhune. Join me next time here in the Marketing Morgue, where there's always room for one more. Spectral Illusions is a digital production studio creating video effects for your home or pro haunt. They carry over 30 stock videos ready for immediate download, as well as USB drives preloaded with multiple effects. In partnership with AAXA Technologies, they now carry projectors preloaded with multiple effects. And now Big Scary Show listeners can get 15% off downloads, USBs, and screens with code BIGSCARY15. Projectors not included. Visit SpectralIllusions.com and add some life to your haunt. That's SpectralIllusions.com. Hello, everybody. Drew Badger here. We're live in Owensboro, Kentucky at Fear Expo. And somebody I have never seen at a show before has got this amazing display of, well, don't eat lunch before you come through this booth. That's all I can say. These are some of the sickest, most vile, unbelievably disgusting corpsed skeletons and other things that I have ever seen in my life. This is amazing. This is Decompositions, Corpsed Creations out of Michigan. I got the owner, Chris, here. How are you doing, man? I'm good. Thanks for the uh, motivational uh, speaking segment here. This yeah, I, I just had lunch, and I'm like, yeah, while sitting in here. This is this is amazing Thank stuff. You. I mean, of course, this doesn't translate well to radio, but <laughs> this is like some of the most crazy. And, you know, everybody knows how to corpse a skeleton, or at least, you know, a basic corpse. Basic idea. This, yeah. this takes it to a whole new level. Thank you. Yes, it, this is from a lot of uh, un, unspent angst and energy that needed somewhere to go. We all have our childhood traumas, yes. and this works out so well, doesn't yep. it? It all lines up, it's but yeah. Great. Cheaper than therapy. Uh, uh, this is my therapy. <laughs> <laughs> so for, for the benefit of people who may have never seen this before, th- this is just some really, really ultimately crazy corpse and skeleton type things. Thank you. How do you do it? So basically, I just take pretty much any kind of Halloween skeleton type object. Or are these like Bucky's or Harvey's or everything? Anything? I I'm literally uh, I'm a scavenger hunt when it comes to getting the base materials for this stuff, Aren't and then all? and and that's how I approach it. And just the corpse part, yeah. But once you get to the corpse process, then the rest is just the imagination, the lighting, the 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 technique, and the practice of it. And good music. <laughs> I, can, I can only imagine there's got to be some thrash and death in there at some point. A little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. So these are amazing skeletons, you know, and it looks like you've got, like, things just found on the side of the road attached to them. You've got some with LEDs. You've got some that are in boxes and some out there in very interesting, shall we say, positions and stuff. These, these are absolutely perfect for home haunters, professional haunters. Anybody that's got a really sick, demented mind, these would be absolutely cool. I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> so when you do something like it, is this your first time vending at a show? Because, again, I've never seen one of these before. This is my first tr- trade show. I, I do, I've done smaller venues, basically, from Michigan. That's where I'm from, Ypsilanti. Um, but nothing at this scale. So this is pretty much, like, my first opportunity to do this show this year this has been great how's the show been for you so um, far i'm i'm having a blast so this it's really fun i've had a lot of people come out good compliments good or bad i love them all <laughs> so I, I will take it 
Uh, the only question I would have is, given the fact that a lot of these are really oddly shaped, are, are you shipping all this stuff, or are they going to have to arrange something if you're not in Michigan and you see this and, like, i got to have that one? Or that, oh, my God, or that one. So a lot of the middle to smaller size I am able to ship. Of course, the boxes and stuff will vary, but the larger stuff I work out, some of the stuff I've taken that's the bigger pieces, I've actually taken directly to the customers that bought them. Um, it's just, it's more convenient that way, and it gets there, and I know it's going to be there in one piece. Because you know, some of this stuff here has got to be, what, six, seven feet tall in some cases? The tallest one I think I have out here right now is, is just a little over seven foot, yes. Wow. The, as I said, these are amazing. So if you're not out here at seeing this at Fear Expo, are you going to be vending at any of the shows up in Michigan, maybe Legacy or any of those others, or Midwest or anything like that? So in about three weeks in uh, Romulus, Michigan, out by the airport, they're having a Motor City Legacy. I believe that's the 14th through the 16th of April, and I'll be, I'll be there. So, awesome. Is that the only thing you have on the calendar? Um, and then Hearstfest, I think, is the only other one, and I believe that's like mid-September. Okay. I'm, I don't really have anything on the calendar in between that right now, but things could change. So for people wanting more information about decompositions here, I mean, this stuff is just absolutely disgusting for lack of a better word so if you really like six skeletons and and corpsed things and others where can they get more information with websites social medias check out pictures arrange shipping and and all that good stuff i can re- be reached directly on facebook through my my page uh on messenger if you really want to direct questions uh but my email would be decompcorpses at gmail.com and what is the Facebook page? It's Decompositions Corpse Creations, the same as the the store name here. So Decompositions Corpse Creations on Facebook. I assume you have pictures and all that good stuff up there, maybe a schedule of where you're going to be. Chris, a pleasure to stand amongst these really dead-looking things here and talk to you here at Fear Expo. I wish you nothing but success. I hope you do very well here and also at Legacy and any other shows in the future. Once again, folks, go to decompositions corpse creations on facebook check out all their good stuff my name is drew badger for the big scary show down here at fear expo in kentucky and we're out and ladies and gentlemen on april 13th it will be our 11th anniversary so we are going to celebrate with a very very special prize for our April gruesome giveaway, courtesy of Screamline Studios. They've been with us all 11 years, giving away fantastic prizes. But for our anniversary, we always give away something a little extra special. So your chance to win could be right now, if you enter the contest and have the correct answer. I'm going to ask you a question. The answer is in the show. If you listen very carefully and you know that answer... Send it to us in an email, bsscontest at gmail.com, before midnight on April 17th, and we will randomly select someone to win a great prize from Screamline Studios. So without further ado, the April gruesome giveaway question is, according to Tom from Von Caron, what was the year they started making jackets for Alice Cooper. If you think you know that answer, email us that answer along with your name 
and your phone number so we can get in touch with you to bsscontest at gmail.com before midnight on April 17th. And we will select a random entrant to be our anniversary winner. Previous winners and family members of the Big Scary Show are not eligible to win. Get out there and enter, folks, and good luck. Hello, everybody. Drew Badger here. We're live at Fear Expo in Owensboro, Kentucky. We're having a great time. Lots of people walking around, buying stuff, selling stuff, checking out some cool vendors here. One of our very first vendors or one of our very first sponsors who is also vending out here is Von Caron. You hear their ads every week on our show. I've got Tom here with Von Caron. Hadn't spoke to him in a while. Tom, how you doing? Good. How are you, Badger? Oh, we're having a good time. I assume the show's been good. I've seen some people walking around looking at your stuff. I actually had to tell somebody that that was an Alice Cooper mask on the, or an Alice Cooper bust on top of this. Because the guy was like, this looks so familiar. But I don't know. I was like, it's Alice Cooper. Oh, gosh, yes, it is. Yeah, who could that be? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, we've had pretty good turnout here it's been pretty good i have been pleasantly surprised you know there's it's had its peaks and bounds you know the doors open the place floods with people it slackens off and then all of a sudden there's another wave and then another wave but but overall i'm pleased there's been a lot of people walking through here and uh, a lot of people i assume have been coming by your booth and checking out all your new line of you know straight jackets and coats and all kinds of cool stuff yeah they've been they've been coming in i think the wave thing is because they have the classes upstairs so uh, they all rush in here and then they do but yeah it's been steady um yeah we've we've taken a few good orders this weekend very very nice and um for people who may not know about the alice cooper connection i always love to hear about this you actually make these straight jackets that alice cooper does in concert correct i've been making it alice cooper's stage jacket since 2012 i believe more than 10 years congratulations and he just keeps beating them up (laughs) (laughs) and yet they keep not falling apart which i guess is an attestment to the qualities i i hope yeah (laughs) that and a good personal assistant on alice's part i guess (laughs) (laughs) that's true now you did not go to transworld this year so we did not get a chance to ask you so i'll ask you now what's new at von caron this year you've got any new mask any new jackets any new whatever yeah, we kind of have a couple small items, um, masks that we uh, debuted in at Transworld. I think year before last, we couldn't make Transworld this year. Just it was just a timing thing. It was you know that February date. We already had sure. stuff. February is a rough month for a lot of people. I mean, the numbers were yeah. good at Transworld. We had a good time there. Didn't see everybody that you usually see, but that's understandable because it was everybody makes their plans for March and it just didn't happen. Yeah, when it was, when it came up to be nearly six weeks early, five weeks early, or whatever it was, it was, yeah, it cut into our time. Sure. Um, but you ask about new stuff. Uh, we have a new one that my wife decided she had to have a fashion statement, so I made, <laughs> I made one called the Oblivion. Okay. And it's all primarily all black, and it's had a great deal of interest this year. It has sleeves that slide up on a strap, you know, kind of like a curtain strap. Interesting. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting fix, but yeah, it's had a great deal of interest. I'm 
I'm kind of bummed, really, because she, it wasn't my idea. <laughs> well, I, I will not tell her you said that. And, and, of course, I hope everybody listening will keep silent. Wink, wink. Yeah. So, <laughs> Quiet. Keep it down. And one of the things I like about your mask is you don't have, like, latex or foam masks. You have, like, cloth masks that, like, go over the head. They, they cover everything, just eye holes and all that. It's it's really fascinating. It goes so well with everything in the ensemble that you have. And it just makes for just, like, mad scientists, mental patients. You, you just have, like, the coolest stuff there. Yeah, thanks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we try. We, you know, we change it up. or try to, and if there's something you need... Eh, we can put a little here and a little there. You know, and I'm easy to deal with. <laughs> no, I'm good. Do you do custom work? If I came to you and said, I, I would like something that looks like this, you could create that? Yes, I do. I've done a lot of custom work this year, actually. Um, it's kind of been... I, I don't mind doing custom work, but it, when it starts to interfere with the production work mm-hmm. that I have to do, then it, then it becomes a problem. So I try to limit it, you know, if I can. But, you know, it's always a fun project to get somebody that says, hey, i got to have it this way. Okay, let's try it. You know, it's a good time. There you go. So for people wanting more information, maybe on the Oblivion line, check out the new line of masks, see the, uh, the, the coats that Alice Cooper wears in concert, all the straight jackets, all the cool custom stuff. Or if you have custom work, how can they get in touch with you via websites or social medias? Well, my website's currently, uh, well, I better not say that. Um, it's voncaron.com. Um, V-O-N-C-H-R-O-N.com. That's correct. It is a, uh, it's a little hard to spell, but once you, once you hear it, you know it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we've rolled over our website into another server or to another provider, and it, this whole year has been kind of tricky so okay so yeah but uh, i can be reached at the you know if you know me you've probably got my phone number Uh, uh, you can reach me there anytime or um my personal email is tom.sowers23 at gmail.com uh the bear the like i say the website email is currently jack up Uh, yeah Mm -hmm. So Tom.Sowers, that's S-O-W-E-R-S at gmail.com. If you have questions or concerns about anything Von Caron, Tom, congratulations on what seems to be a good show here. And once again, you have just announced breaking news. You have renewed for yet another, another year here on the Big Scary Show. Our very first sponsor, we thank you so much for pretty much 11 years' worth of uh, work with you guys, and we, we could not be happier. Hey, you know, we love the Big Scary Show. We love the Big Scary Show. So do we, folks. My name is Drew Badger for that aforementioned Big Scary Show. Hanging out with the cool kids, and we're out. Virgil Franklin, Virgil Lair of the Unknown, on the Big Scary Show. Big Scary Show.
take your haunt to a new dimension of terror? Then let Dark Imaginings conjure up some ghoulish graphics and web design services for your home, haunt, or crypt. Mm. To see more of our products and services, drop by darkimaginings.com. Let us help you get ahead of your competition. <laughs> Hello everyone, this is Drew Badger and this is Deadline News for episode 286. And we're kicking things off with this news from Universal Studios Halloween Horror Nights in Orlando, Florida. This comes to us via USA Today. Spring has just started, but spooky season can't come soon enough for Universal Studios Halloween Horror Night fans who are getting their first details on this year's After Hours event. Universal Orlando Resort dropped HHN's 2023 dates and opened ticket sales recently after teasing for weeks on social media. This year's event will be Florida's resort's longest yet, with 44 nights starting September 1st. This highly anticipated event will bring guests' worst nightmares to life within 10 all-new movie-quality haunted houses inspired by everything from top names in terror and pop culture to unfathomable original abominations devised by the twisted creations of the event, Universal Orlando said in a press release. Like last year, there will also be five scare zones of free-roaming, gruesome creatures. Halloween Horror Nights dates and details are still to come for Universal Studios Hollywood in California. Keep up with updates at UniversalOrlando.com. We have this news from the Deranged Haunt in Romulus, Michigan. Deranged Haunted Attraction will open their halfway to Halloween Trail for a one-weekend event. The event tells the story of Greeno Industries, with the haunt stating that Greeno was an industrial company that remained rather mysterious behind locked gates and barbed wire fences. The premises they operated on were dark and secured while visitors were not permitted. There had been rumblings across town that Greeno Industrial Plant was working outside of their agreement with the local government. It was said that they were working on a larger money-making project utilizing harsher chemicals with toxicity levels that were far beyond approved regulations. Enter through the gates of Greeno Industries for the first time and find out the truth. This May 12th and 13th at Deranged Halfway to Halloween Haunt event. Find out more about the story at derangedhauntedattraction.com. We have this news from Screamers Costumes in Clinton Township, Michigan. On April 29th, on Saturday, halfway to Halloween Blowout Party Number 2 is happening at Screamers Costumes and Monsters and Madmen. If you were at Screamers' yearly halfway to Halloween event last year, this year will blow your mind. There will be unbelievable door prizes, huge raffles and giveaways, Yes, huge. There will be a kid's costume contest, adult costume contest, free trick-or-treating, candy and Halloween toys, live music, vendors set up selling one-of-a-kind super sweet merchandise, horror movies all day, and come check out new props, decorations, animatronics, and more in Monsters and Mad Men. Live haunted house actors 
will be at our second annual Halfway to Halloween blowout party as well. And there will be tons of super sweet updates coming. Stay tuned to this Bat Channel for updates. That would be their Facebook page, actually. Facebook.com slash screamers.costumes. We have this news from Kim's Crypt Haunted Mill in Spring Grove, Pennsylvania. Kim's Crypt Haunted Mill presents two scary attractions on May 7th. The Haunted Mill and the Horror of Menges Mill. Plus, the Zombie Escape Room, Hearse, and Coffin Rides will be options for your scary delight. Food, snacks, and the gift shop will be open for your convenience in between your scary adventures. And of course... All of your favorite characters will be waiting for you. Get more information at their website, kimscrypt.com. We have this news from Red Vein Escape in Ashland, Virginia. It's back! After a two-year absence, they're returning for the 5th annual Halfway to Halloween Festival, Springoween. On Saturday, April 30th from 4 to 8 p.m., join us at Hanover Vegetable Farm as we'll be getting into the spirit of the Halloween season. Although our haunted attraction will not be open during spring we'll have tons of entertainment throughout the day, including the debut of our brand new mobile escape games presented by Red Vein Escape. We'll also have spooky photo booths, costume contests with prizes, games, demos, vendors, and live music. Center of the Universe will provide beer, which will be poured and sold to benefit the Hanover Humane Society. Please be over 21. And it wouldn't be a Red Vein event without scary creatures roaming about. As dusk creeps up, we'll close out Springerween by welcoming in Walpurgisnacht with a bonfire and dancing, part of the German folklore that translates to Witches' Night, all to truly let us know that Halloween is only a few months away. Please be aware, while there's no age limit, parental discretion is advised, and children six and under are free. For tickets, visit redveinhaunt.com. We have this from the Halfway to Halloween Fair and Classic Car and Hearse Show in Manchester, Tennessee. Lady Frights Emporium presents Halfway to Halloween Fair 2023. Join us on May 6th at the Coffee County Fairgrounds as we step back in time to the good old days of classic Halloween. Lady Fright welcomes everyone young and old to this one-day event full of craft vendors, food trucks, live music, games, and more. Special guests include Tim Shockey and the Goblin Head from Maximum Overdrive. And proceeds from this event will go to the Coffee County Rescue Squad. Get more information and updates at their Facebook page. Facebook.com slash Lady Frights Emporium. And finally, we have this news and event from the Scream Queens Gorlesque in Sacramento, California. Presenting the Twisted Dolls Cabaret, a horror show spectacle featuring drag and gorlesque presented by the Scream Queens Gorlesque. These dolls are not playthings. There will be performances by Danny Demise, Sriracha, Simone Thrills, Morgana Grimm, Red Fafilth, Chris Ferent, Grease Paint, Mistress Ponfar, Alamode, Izzy Strange, Nikki Fable, Prince Cherrybum, 
and more. Happening Saturday, May 20th at 8 p.m., showtime is at the historic Colonial Theater in Sacramento, and you must be at least 18 years of age with proper ID. For more information and tickets, visit lovehorrorevents.com. Remember, folks, if you have news in the haunted house, Halloween, or horror industries, and you want it on the show, email it to us, news at bigscaryshow.com, and we'll get it on the show. No news is too big or too small. This concludes this edition of the Big Scary Show's Deadline News. Hello everybody, Drew Badger here, live at Fear Expo here in Owensboro, Kentucky. We're having a great time. We're walking around chatting with everybody under the sun that we can think of. And, you know, when you go to Transworld and you see this booth here, they always have so many people. And I hate to say it, in 11 years of broadcasting this show, we've never had a chance to talk to Pumpkin Pulp because we only see them at Transworld and they're always so busy. So we're here at Fear Expo. They've been busy. They've been all right, but they got a couple minutes here. I got a. I was able to steal a couple minutes. We got Brian Blair here. Brian, how are you, sir? Uh, doing good. Yeah, it's been a good show so far. So, we're we're happy to hear that. Uh, I've I've walked past here, and people are looking at this. People are looking at that. And you've got a whole new line of some really, let's just say, sick-looking masks out here. These are these are really cool. <laughs> yeah, we got about uh, we did about eight new masks this year. So uh, probably one of the more popular ones is our grizzly mask, the guy with the beard there. So people are really loving him and the bad Barbie. A lot that, of that's just evil yeah, looking, man. We tried to do a few more female masks this year, so we did the bad Barbie. We got the pretty princes and the Mama Rose mask. So. Are, are you just getting female actors coming up to you uh, and saying, yeah. "Why don't we have female masks?" We get a lot of that. Yeah, so <laughs> that's where we're trying to branch out and do a little bit more of that and. Uh, it's funny because even the guys like wearing the female masks. <laughs> it's well, well, you know, I, I, I know a certain character called Princess Trainwreck that we don't discuss on the show, but I'm sure she would love to have something like this to enhance her acting abilities, but uh, we, we won't discuss Princess Trainwreck on the show, so trust me. So um, I noticed you've gotten into, it looks like you're getting into Krampus here. This, yeah. is a, this is a really sick, evil-looking Krampus compared to some of the others I've seen. Yes, we got about, this is our new one, Crimson. Uh, He's a little bit different. We got some of the other Krampus masks, the the Blizzard and the Knock mask, and we also have just the Krampus over there too. So we love Krampus. And these are not all full face. These are, these are like half masks, yeah, and most, most of, of our them. masks have the the straps, so it's open in the back. So it's a little bit better for actors; they don't get as hot wearing them. So. I know it's like we're going to haunt all night. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, I, I love, as much as I love a silicon mask, man, uh-huh. you, you oh, yeah. sweat Beautiful. a lot. I live in the south, and it's still 80 degrees in mid-October, and, and that can be miserable. Yep, and uh, we're in Indiana, so our haunt, we had a, in the first two weeks in October, you're sweating, and the last two weeks, you're freezing to death. <laughs> yeah. So you can switch over to a full mask exactly. at that point. Exactly. Are, they, are these foam? What are all these masks? Uh, they're all latex masks. Okay. Yeah, everything we do is latex, um, and... Uh, various other whatever the hair and all that stuff so is this black philip over here uh yeah yeah that's our delicious mask so that's one of our more popular ones i, I saw people walking around trans world with a mask uh-huh. like that on yeah there, even though, 
Yeah, I watched the the witch movie and was obsessed. So <laughs> <laughs> I got a full size black fill at my office. <laughs> oh, that is cool. Now you also have started doing some vintage stuff. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the Forevermore dolls, but the the everybody loves the old vintage stuff from like the seventies and all. What is this? Uh, this is our new uh, the vintage Halloween line Forevermore dolls. So we started out. We did a vintage cat, a vintage jack o' lantern, and a vintage bat. And uh, yeah, they're they're real popular. People are loving them. So there but seems to be this. Stuff. There seems to be this whole wave of nostalgia, for, especially for like the '70s, because exactly. some of us, you know, you're, you and I are in the roughly yeah. the same demographic. We grew up trick or treating, and these were the actual masks that we kind of used back yeah. then. Yeah, we could breathe in those things. <laughs> Don Post, damn you! Wherever you are, and the rubber bands would yeah. get stuck in your hair. That's why we're all jacked up now? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. So, you know, I, I love this stuff, and I, I'm glad you're out here, and I'm glad that you're doing well at this show, and, you know, look forward to seeing anything else new coming down the line. I assume you've got some new ideas in that head of yours. Yeah, I don't know. We're, we're wanting to get do a few more sculpts this year, I think. It's, it's kind of, I like to just, when it hits me, it hits me. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll have some new stuff here soon, I'm sure. <laughs> Very nice. And for people who want to check those out or see the line of Forevermore dolls, maybe Grizzly, Delicious, the Bad Barbie, and all that kind of stuff, if you're not here at this show, where can they see this stuff, websites, social medias, etc.? Uh, our website is pumpkinpulp.com. Yeah, you can go right there and you see even more than what we have here at the show. Everything's on the website and purchase anything you want <laughs> take all the orders he ships everywhere folks once yep. again brian blair a pleasure to finally yeah, yeah, get I you on the it. big scary show it's been way too long i finally made it Woo-hoo. i'm on the big scary show oh <laughs> come now no we've interviewed pumpkin pulp we've made it so anyway folks come on out to fear expo if you get the chance if not go to pumpkinpulp.com order yourself a couple of these really cool masks for halloween because you will absolutely stand out my name is drew badger down here at fear expo in owensboro kentucky for the big scary show and we are out the round table of terror is very proudly sponsored by haunt pay whether it's time ticketing virtual queue lines or anything else related to online ticket sales have alex and his staff set you up at hauntpay.com Gentlemen, this is the Round Table of Terror for episode 286. And if you listened to the last episode, we followed a listener suggestion and started talking a little bit more technical stuff. We had a great conversation about lighting and lighting designs for your haunted attractions. And of course, what kind of goes well and meshes well with lighting in your haunt. Of course, we would be talking about sounds sounds are such an important part of your haunted attraction you know that when we're born we only have two instinctual fears one of them is loud noises and of course haunted attractions absolutely exploit the fact that loud noises and creepy sounds and all sorts of stuff are great for making them scary spooky and creepy 
So we wanted to talk a little bit about sound design and all sorts of cool things like that, how to make your haunts more effective, what kinds of new technologies are out there. Maybe there's some new stuff that was introduced at one of the trade shows over the last couple of years that's taking the industry by storm. And it's got to be more than just putting Midnight Syndicate on a tape loop and running it through your house. And, and I have been to haunted houses that do that. It's fine, but I'm sure there's a whole lot more to it. So I would like to introduce some people who know a little bit about sound and sound design. We're going to start off in Hartford, Connecticut with Joey Marsacci, who has been on the show before, but never to talk about sound. He is with Grimm Studios in Hartford, Connecticut. Joey, are you with us? I am here. Thank you for having me. It is a pleasure to have you back on the show. Welcome back. I also want to introduce in the Chicago area, we have Tim Stedman. He is with Dark Chord Audio Productions, also does a little work at the Nightmare Forge Haunted Attraction. Tim, how are you, sir? Hi, nice to uh, meet you all. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, everything's great. Happy to be here. Thank you. And we are happy that you are here. Over in Louisville, Kentucky, after doing a successful haunt tour during Fear Expo, we have Matt Clayton, who's the co-owner of the American Horrorplex in Louisville. Matt, how are you, sir? I am great. Thank you so much, Drew. Happy to be here. Uh, yeah, we're happy to have you, sir. Say hi to Travis for us. Last but certainly not least, we have Dale Lettingham. I hope I pronounced that correct. He is with Factory of Terror in Canton, Ohio. An absolutely awesome haunt up there. Very, very spooky. Dale, how are you, sir? I'm great. I'm fantastic. I'm happy to be here. As we all are, including our regular hosts, who are also no doubt happy to be here. Up in Rhode Island, we have Storm. I'm currently being used as a cat bed by Nicodemus, the podcasting cat. Down in Cincinnati, Ohio, we have the one and only Meat Hook Jim. I'm looking forward to this conversation because... I do do my fair share of audio work um, and for two podcasts, my fair share. Drew definitely helps. Um, and so I'm looking forward to, to maybe learning a few things I haven't, I didn't know before. Down in Fayetteville, Arkansas, the owner of Banshee Manor, the award-winning Banshee Manor, we have Jonna, a.k.a. the old crone. I'm sure you have plenty of questions for us tonight, hopefully. I do. And there's nothing wrong with running Midnight Syndicate. Not at all. We uh, we love them to death, and I am sure they are used very often in haunts all over the United States. My name is Drew Badger. I am suffering from the pollening, which is happening right outside my window here in Charlotte. The dogwoods are in full bloom. The pine trees are turning everything yellow. It is absolutely horrible, but I am locked inside a hopefully hermetically sealed chamber so this damn yellow dust doesn't get into me right now. But let's talk sound and let's talk what some of our guests do. Joey, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about Grimm Studios and some of the things that you do for not only that, but the Curioporium and other things sound-wise. Certainly. Well, my, uh, my background over the past uh, 28 years uh, originally was in theme park attraction design. So working with uh, Disney and Universal and several different attractions, uh, not only doing set design and such, but also uh, audio voice work, editing for audio was always a huge part of the immersive scene. And as uh, 
fast forwarding to the work that I've been doing over these years, especially over the past three years with the Curioborium, uh, I've been heavily uh, designing for immersive 3D sound. Sound is, as was mentioned at the beginning of this, is, is one of those things that, uh, you know, yes, having a wonderful set and lighting is great, but even in the darkness, being able to have immersive sound effects that are, that are going on around you that may incorporate music, but almost, uh, for me, it's a, it's a matter of turning the sound effects into music and into a soundtrack that really kind of illuminate and stretch the imagination as to what is going on around you when you can't see too much. Um, with the Karyoporium, which uh, is doing the, uh, the work of a creative director over there over the past two and a half years, they were uh, not exactly a haunt, although that was part of it. They were part escape room, uh, part immersive paranormal theater. So depending on the shows that they would have, everything was driven by sound because uh, the creation of that space was built on an actor being able to improvisationally work through uh, an area and use the sound as cues to be able to interact with the audience and guests. So a little, a, a lot of my knowledge comes from uh, kind of going back through old horror movies specifically through video games as well and listening to the immersive sound effects uh, through some of my favorite horror video games has really inspired me to be able to build that into uh, real world uh, situations within haunts and immersive attractions. So uh, I've been doing haunts uh, over the past 15 years from Spooky World when it was in Foxborough to uh, the Horseman's Hollow in Tarrytown, New York. Uh, ending up at the Curioporium over the past three years. And I do custom work. I do uh, consulting work. I do set design, costume design, uh, custom creatures with sound effects as well. Uh, so a little bit of everything. Perhaps Storm has seen some of your work in the, the past few years. We'll, we'll ask that question in a bit. But Tim, tell us a little bit about what Dark Core Audio Productions is and... Maybe a little bit of teaser as to what you're doing with Nightmare Forge this year or other haunts. Well, yeah, I started out in the haunted house industry, like maybe most people, not as a home hunter, but I did my home displays and I like that stuff every year. I, I started off as an actor uh, and I the first haunt I worked with was uh, Evil Intentions uh, Haunted House out of uh, Elgin, Illinois. I started off as an actor there. Um, it was discovered that I was an audio engineer. I had some audio background and I was approached to um, create uh, a soundtrack or sound effects, everything for the haunt and to revamp the audio system and to modernize it, to get it to where I felt the caliber needed to get to. Um, and I was kind of given that task to create an entire soundtrack. And I ended up making the soundtrack, took like a year and a half about about a year at least to record uh, and produce and everything and then uh every room in the attraction had its own soundscape its own soundtrack its own sound effects and then as well since the issues and attractions that can be uh present i had to find ways of making it work because you don't have ceilings above your sets you have open floor plans and the audio goes up and it goes over and i had to find a lot of ways to make that work and it was like a hurdle for me but then I, I found a formula that worked really well. 
I continued with that. Then I became, uh, I was a operations manager there for a bit. So I kind of ended up doing a little bit of everything from actor training and hiring and all the, the boring things and getting things for the haunt. And, um, but you know, I didn't find it boring. I found it fun. Uh, eventually I kind of, um, found my, my niche in the, um, the industry. I, uh, was approached by a marketing company called Fearworm. Uh, and I now do uh, audio for them uh, for advertisements and things and such, anything music or audio related, uh, voiceover work I've done as well. Um, sometimes I just work with other people's audio samples or stems and I edit them. Stems are just little samples that we put into our digital audio workstations and we spruce them up. Uh, I started doing that and uh, I started my own company just to kind of, I had to, had to do it. I had to kind of structure myself a bit to handle more uh, and also to be able to be in a state where I can work with other attractions because I go to other attractions and I see these shows and I love them and I, I love haunts. And I think the true way of cultivating haunts is to make shows better. If every show is good, more people go to haunts and more people go to haunts, the longer this industry thrives and survives. And that's kind of been my goal. And now with, uh, with a lot of fine people, I've um, taken part in starting something special called the Nightmare Forge. And it isn't a haunt per se. It's it's more of a one-stop shop for haunted houses. And we're going to be uh, announcing some things at uh, MHC this year and Rosemont uh, for the upcoming convention for the Midwestern Haunted Convention. Uh, that's just a little of what I've done. Well, we uh, just had Fear Worm on the show a couple of episodes back. So, you know, they're, they're very good people. And as yeah. an actor trainer, I don't find it boring at all. Hmm. We will uh, we will talk about that a little later off the air. But uh, Matt, tell us a little bit about what you do down at the American Horrorplex and some of the other haunts in the Louisville area. Well, um, probably similar to Joey and Tim, who've already spoke, kind of got into this um, by way of a specific kind of niche way. First, starting with the behind the scenes of Michael Jackson's thriller, I'm ashamed to admit was the gateway into all of the things and then um the bbc a long time ago would put out their libraries of sounds and there's one in particular that we had on vinyl called bbc sound effects number 13 death and horror and it is literally just like you would buy a sound pack now of stems like tim was talking about it would be like what the thing was so like decapitation and then there would be a description of how they made it like big knife through a head of lettuce so it wasn't just a sound library it was actually like this is how you make it in foley if you want to kind of thing and um i was hooked so i was working as just an actor at the devil's attic jason uh besman here in louisville and at the time, it was uh, one of those midnight syndicate affairs. And I was like, I can do this better. So I begged and pleaded to uh, have him let me do that. And then we were off to the races. And so when Travis and I started American Horrorplex, um, <clears throat> over the years, we've been in the game now, 11 plus years, something like that. Just been working on perfecting what fits our shows and looking at other people's work and 
nerding out over the tech side of things and seeing how best to, because um, I think for most of the folks here at this round table, which we can expound upon later, uh, and it was mentioned, audio was an afterthought. And it's one of those things that uh, you know when it's missing, but you don't necessarily know that it's there when it's really good. And so that's been like the goal from the jump. So yeah, that's, that's me. That's my story. And uh, Dale, tell us a little bit about some of your work at Factory of Terror. Oh, uh, well, I was, it all started, the whole haunted to me, I was thrown in. I never set foot a haunted house a day in my life. And one day someone dragged me and told me to work there. And 10 years later, here I still am. I started working with, uh, started with animations and sound at the same time about five years ago or so. Just helping out, they lose a sound like, oh, can you find something similar or make a sound and put it in there, make it go. And it just turned from that into, hey, we're going to do an off-season thing or we need this whole area to sound different, complete overhaul. And it just spiral out of control from there. So um, it's it's been a wild ride for me, for sure. And to some people, man, some of these guys in here, uh, big fans of Matt, great job, American Horrorplex. Absolutely love it. He, what he said about not sometimes noticing audio because it's so good. He is the perfect example of that. Absolutely. I'll, I'll give him that. It was a fantastic show. But uh, the way that I try and see it and put my sound into the shows is it, it's almost like an orchestra itself, subtle, maybe sometimes even lack of audio into a giant crescendo to a giant climax and just feeling the emotion and that you can put into a scene without having to say a lot about the scene itself. Yeah, I can't disagree with what any of this is. So um, I guess I'll throw out the first question now that we kind of know a little bit about what everybody does. Let's say I've got a haunted attraction and I wanted to come to you guys and just say, I'm redoing my sound effects. I am ditching all my Midnight Syndicate. I'm ditching all my, you know, verse 13. I'm ditching all my Virgil Franklin CDs that I have in every room. How do you go about designing soundscapes for a haunted attraction? I mean, it can't just be as simple as, well, this is a butcher shop, so let's have some butcher shop noises or Here's an asylum. Let's have some screaming noises. It's got to be a little more complicated than that, right? Yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't, I don't mind stepping in on this. For me, it's all about story. Uh, so depending on, you know, I'll meet with a client. And if there is, um, you know, an overarching story that they are trying to tell, I do. If I can go, I will go visit the haunt. Uh, if it is too far to go to, I will um i'll do a zoom call a discord call with them so that i can see what they are seeing and what they're working with to begin with uh i like to know what their scenes are what are they what are composed of with the actors with the effects that are going on what's moving what's not uh what's the lighting like all of those questions in order to to build a story and a and a immersive uh feel to where they're going like what do they want what do they want their their guests to feel in that room and how do we arc the audio from beginning to end to really build to you know this crescendo so that every room has like its own build to it but you're certainly with me anyway it's looking for telling a story from beginning to end and that ending needs to be 
well, whatever you want it to be, but horrifying or climactic at least. Uh, so, you know, I, I asked those questions, but then also just on the, on the tech side of things, what are we working with with sound within the room? Uh, is it an over, you know, is it, is it a maze where the sound is going over the entire thing? Or are there individualized uh, sounds coming from different parts of the room? So there's many different questions, but that's primarily where I start. You know, I like to go back to the old adage of walking through a haunted house should be almost like walking through a movie. And mm -hmm. just like a soundtrack to a movie, certain music or certain sounds are going to evoke certain emotions and you know something that's more driving and thumb based and stuff is going to actually accelerate the heart uh the heart rate and things like that now i admit i because i have a small haunt for many years i did not necessarily midnight syndicate but i would do just one soundtrack that was just over everything <clears throat> in the last couple of years i've really been working on doing away with that and going with sounds in certain sounds in certain rooms. Like I have a chapel. And so I would do a big loop of monk chants, you know, Gregorian chants and things like that. And, you know, I had a hellhound. So of course I recorded my, my own hellhound and, you know, kind of loop that and things like that. But one of my questions from a haunter is, because it is a small haunt and it is open on the top, we don't have roofs over every room. How do you keep sound from bleeding in order to give that immersive feeling in that particular area of the haunt? Um, you know, because if I have jesters on one end and I have um, my monks on the other end, I don't want that bleeding back and forth. So how do you guys do that? What do you recommend? I can touch on this because God, it was one of the things I had to figure out um, because the attraction I worked with was three floors um, essentially with a weight line area, then a middle floor and then a third floor. And each area of course was, you know, service hallway and then attraction going all through it. And it's just wood walls in between everything. And I was putting some pretty hefty drivers and speakers in there uh, all powered systems and everything was about over 2,700 Watts. So it was, everything was loud. And I, I went through with loud, capable speakers. I found that having speakers that could output more volume and have more distance via being powered over a passive system, which usually is speakers without power. And then a system drives ohms and power to those speakers. I found doing powered um, speakers allows segmentation and the ability to move and modulate or modular system for each audio system that you want to do for your rooms. And the biggest thing that impacted that was I found in the same way that I did a soundtrack, I had a soundtrack from beginning of the attraction to the end. It was a story and it was a narrative. And I had to find a way to sonically and using wavelength and frequency to use that to block out other frequencies and as well as to give a feeling to most of the people inside the attraction. When you went through a tight, small corridor, I didn't want you to hear the next room. I wanted it to be a surprise or something to be unveiled. So I had to use exactly. low end frequency. Low end frequency was the way I found that 
was the best way to manage it. Um, having some songs below pulsating, I did very low 20 Hertz with, you know, vertical wavelength, which means it goes up and down, sitting left and right. And it wobbles through the walls. I wanted to go up and it would kind of like, in a way like water wave over the audio as it went over the top of the frame and it would stop everything. And then as well, making the songs work with each other. Cause when I made the soundscape, every soundtrack or every piece of my soundtrack, if I could layer certain tracks in the same area together, if they were on different sides of the service hallway, one was a school, but one was an old home. I needed to mix them together. So that way I played with certain instrumentals and certain other parts so they can go together. So sometimes you can't prevent audio leakage or bleeding, but you can make the tracks together. So when you walk through the service hallway, it sounds like you're in a city. It sounds like you're in a town. It sounds like the place is alive. You don't just hear pistons and boo boxes and snap boxes and you hear all the sound effects. You want to hear the screams of the people, the actors bringing life into the attraction and the audio itself filling the attraction with natural ambience and the music that you create to fill that space. But frequency was probably my best success with that. And as well, targeting the speaker's directions, uh, making sure they're going towards corners, never pointing down so they're not splashing directly on the ground, having them a certain height. There's so many things I would measure, but it took months of tweaking to get to the point where I was very happy with it. And I would piggyback off that. Um, and I'm sure Tim and Joey probably have a lot more experience with these things because they've worked with uh, larger attractions and bigger shows that have more complex issues. But um, as a prime example, at Disney World right now in the unit, like the um, between the Star Wars area and Toy Story, you are outside. Right. And when you're in the Star Wars area you are totally on that planet and there's the sounds of all the things you take two steps and all of that is completely gone. And now you're in toy story and the way that they accomplish that, I'm pretty sure because I was that nerd walking up and down in the same spot on one Hill to try and nail it was birds. They pipe in on one section, a lot of bird song, which as um, Tim was just talking about, it's a lot of that high-end frequency. There's some white noise involved, and it acts like a sound ball that quite literally blocks out Star Wars so you can be in Toy Story now. So little tricks like that you can use. Like if, um, as an example, if you have like, let's say, uh, Jonna, your like chapel room, and then a small hallway and right after it is, I, I don't know, like a cabin or something. In the small hallway, you can do it mono if you want to with just one speaker, just lightly pipe in some white noise and it will completely change that. Um, it was insane to me that what, what tweaked me to that also is at 7th Street Haunt, which was the original haunt that Travis and I started years ago, um, we had a swamp seed that had a lot of birds and bugs and a lot of dripping water, very high frequency sounds. And you could hear that stuff over the most pounding, heavy crap. And it's all because, as Tim was talking about, the way that those frequencies travel through the air 
And there's so much to be said for the school of fool around and find out. Like, just play around. Put sounds that make zero sense in in your tracks. As in, like, if you want one sound to stick out, and I know that you're working with Audacity, take the sound of, like, a crowd, like a crowd cheering, ramp it up under the sound that you want to stick out up to and including side chaining it. And that thing is in the foreground. You, you just have to play, have fun so with it's sound. Not just, it's not just a matter of we're going to make this room so loud that while you're in here, you, it drowns out everything else. Because oh, trust me, I've been not. to those haunts to their entire music. And I, I don't mean to sound like I'm, be a negative on them personally my preference is not that but they have tons of animatronics which you know are very loud you know the pistons and the you know the pneumatics and everything going off so their solution is to just beat you to death with super super loud uh heavy metal which i love heavy metal don't get me wrong but you come out of there and you have a headache (laughs) because they're just and you can't hear anything I you know, like and I was like, if I thing. wanted to go see Metallica, I'd go see Metallica. I don't want to ha- go there haunt <laughs> and have my ears, you know, deaf for the next two days just because I went through a hunt. Um, so I definitely As don't want to do that. So. Violent. <laughs> you actually was like a lot of animations. Yeah. Like, it would, I, I get it. One of our shows, definitely, we have a ton, and they do get very loud. Uh, but we don't really try and drown out as much as the music. We have maybe one scene that does, but sometimes like, uh, Matt was saying with water or something like that, we have a sewer scene in our industrial, we kind of combat sound with more sound with the way we angle it and the way we put it down certain hallways. It sometimes just knocks itself back out like a wall. Now with comes to animations versus that sometimes, yeah, we purposely hit that overload point. It, it, it's a it's a little bit of an effect, you know, the sensory overload, bright strobing lights. It's so loud you can't think. And and for a small area or for a small amount of time, I'm cool with it. This would be the entire 20 minute haunt. Is that way? Now, as far as a 20 minute, <laughs> I mean, as far as a 20 minutes of it straight go, yeah, no, it needs to come down, balance out. But sometimes adding more sound can make it sound like it's less sound somewhere else. It doesn't necessarily have to be pounding but the way you're you like they said are angling it or just natural things like the sewer scene i know i skipped over but that had actual running water in it but that sound of that water cut through the loudest sirens in the building you walked into that room and all of a sudden you can hear nothing but rushing water and as soon as you left it it it, it, as soon as you walk right out of that room it's gone so sometimes finding like natural things or a pneumatic or an animation itself uh, can you know help knock that sound out to where you don't need uh, to have it so loud? To uh, sorry, I just kind of lost myself there. But the point I was trying to say is you know, the sounds. I don't even know where I went. I'm sorry, I lost it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I just got really into it. I, I totally Welcome get what to you my mean, world, Dale. <laughs> I get what you mean. You don't you don't need everything to be so blaringly loud in a show and it's good to have those moments to have those big adrenaline moments. You need those as well for actors because audio in a room as well propels actors. It fuels the actors. It gives them 
uh, a foundation to work off of. And as well, it gets the customer or the patron that's going through and enjoying the show. It gets them in the, in the right mindset. And you can play that as well to make audio work for all of your rooms by adjusting as your set has intensity. If your show is ah in your face from the second you walk in, the second you walk out, by the time you're halfway through it, you're like, I've had enough. I want to go to Denny's now. I want to leave. And they, it, you get desensitized to it. And the same thing for audio. So I felt it was necessary as the show goes up and down uh, with the actors being more intense. Well, the more intense room, the music should be more intense. Chase music, lots of clicking, ticking, chasing, bass, loud. And then you have the metal, the intensity, the attack. And then you bring it down to rooms that are so quiet, you can hear a, a woman whispering to a baby in a crib or someone speaking tongues in your ear, you can then have those moments. But even for those rooms, you want to have something there as a buffer and you can do those high frequency, low frequency to block out audio, but there still is the way of it's a little not cost effective. And I don't always suggest it to people is then making your sets a little bit more sound dampened. If you don't plan on tearing your set down and redoing your show constantly, I would advise it. Or you can even make paneling wall filled with, you know, drywall, foam, concrete. You can even put some other material in there as a dampener. You can even egg foam underneath your walls if you want to. I don't suggest it because then when you have to move a wall or the fire inspector comes in and says, this needs to be over here. Now you're not just moving a panel. You're moving a whole lot of weight and then you have to redo it all. And it's... It's a little it's a little haphazard to do. So there's options besides playing with audio, but as well, looking at an attraction as a roller coaster, it goes up and down. It can't be all up and it can't be all down. And that's kind of a way you can play around that. How important is speaker placement when, uh, you know, engineering this audio experience in a haunt? I think it's one of the most important things that you can have is to know the angle of where you're putting it, where you're throwing that sound and what it's going to bounce off of to get the full effect of everything. You know, if you put it up against a wall, you're going to deafen it down a little bit. If you put it right at the door, you're going to hear it into the next room. The height matters. Sometimes we put them way above or way below just to try and keep that from going too far or, you know, keeping it close enough to where they can hear. I was going to throw in on that too. Absolutely. um, A lot of the, a lot of the set pieces that uh, I fabricate have speakers within them, so they act as cones. And they're either typically when, uh, like, taking the curioporium into consideration, uh, it's a 30-foot ceiling. And the set ends at about 12 or 13, depending on the room. So a lot of the sounds are coming from down below and named up or kind of chest level uh, or floor level, depending Uh, A lot of the ambient sound is coming from above. So it's the lower, it's the lower frequency and the, and the kind of droning either mechanical sounds or things like that. But uh, the scare sounds and things like that are coming from down below. So, uh, and one, one thing uh, in working in the immersive industry, which uh, uh, it actually working with museums, I had learned about uh, sound hoods, which is something like in a, Let's say you go into a museum and you walk up to uh, an artifact or something, and then you just hear audio when you're standing in front of that thing. 
I was able to use that at some of the, the haunts that I work on too, where I'm building kind of uh, fabricating these domes, if you will, that the speaker is in the dome above where you're walking. So the sound actually travel like stays within that area as you travel through it. Uh, that's a little, that's not as cost effective depending on the size of your haunt, but it is certainly something that uh, can help with those higher ceilings. When you guys are working in an area <clears throat> and you have an actor that needs to rely on a particular sound trigger, knowing that, hey, there's somebody that's going to enter my room in the next three seconds or something. How do you manage to balance that out as far as canceling out the noise from the room previous to the next scene, but yet still letting that actor hear, okay, that sound just, uh, that sound just occurred. They're, they're one room away. They're going to be here in you know, just a couple of seconds. When I was working at a theme park, I worked in a particular haunt one season, and I had to absolutely rely on sound cues from previous rooms to know when the next group was coming in. And it was, it was very reliable. I, I could get it down to, you know, within a couple of seconds as to, okay, I'm, I'm hearing that sound. Okay. They're going to be here in five, four, three, two, there they are time to go to work. So, you know, you, you're talking about, you know, making sure that this sound doesn't bleed into the next room, but a lot of actors do rely on those triggers and those cues. How do you guys balance so for Tim and Joey, I'm sure that's a much more complicated question because they don't necessarily always have the perk of from like decor design, layout design, where the props are and such through to sound effectuation. They don't have the perk of doing that as an owner that's part of the design process and where the props are and stuff. I mean... Full disclosure, at least with The Devil's Attic and American Horrorplex, The Devil's Attic is way more uh, musically based because each room in The Devil's Attic is a microcosm unto itself. It's a different theme. It's a different uh, movie or what have you. So each one has like a song loop as the ambient sound. And then when I was an actor in there, a lot of the time we would use the props audio so we'd know that oh the scare sound happened it's going to be 30 seconds a minute what have you before that group reaches where i'm working at the american horrorplex there's only a few musical moments the rest of it i've i've gone for a far more like organic this is what this room would sound like if you were in it thing rather than music and if music does happen it's because there's a radio in that room and so the the sound cues generally um we work with that's more of an actor training thing at least on our side and this is a no size fits all conversation but we work with the actors to act as one organic being they get used to okay i just heard so-and-so in the room before mine do their thing and we've got like a system of knocking on the walls or whatever it is to alert like yo they're coming or they may hear the scare audio from one of the props that lets them know but aside from that 
it's not cooked into the pie of each room's ambient audio because um, I don't know how it is for everybody else, but by and large, our ambient audio is a series of loops, you know, that could be anywhere from a minute to like five minutes or what have you. And they just repeat without there's several rooms I've done that do rely on like a trigger. They're set up almost like a prop trigger would be where there's like an ambient sound and then a scare audio. But mm, so I don't really what an unsatisfactory answer to your question there, Drew. I'm sorry. Well, that was <laughs> Actually, you hit it pretty good with the props thing. Uh, I was about to say that's mainly what we do, or we would have an actor-controlled sound. It make it more natural, or make it blend in. But an actor would know to look out for that sound or hear it from a few rooms away. And know, oh, someone's coming because I heard that in the loop. We would usually connect it like it almost looked like a guitar pedal. But, you know, connect to a speaker, an actor hit it, or maybe be a buzzer on the wall, something that fit in with that scene to give it a transition where if anyone goes, oh, that, it's a scare to them, but it's a signal to us. Yeah, that's well, I, possible. Yeah, I had a, um, I, I created an audio drama several years ago. And that's when I started learning, you know, audacity and, um, you know, finding the sound effects and how, how to do that. And it's amazing because I could write a scene and the actors would record it and I'd be like, yeah, you know, I'm happy about it. But then whenever I would put the music behind it, that's when it would give you like, yes, that's exactly the emotions. That's exactly what you want. And, and you really want to do that in your haunt. Um, can we talk about equipment? How do you, how do you get some of these, how do you make these things happen? Because don't laugh at me, but I'm going to make it a confession. I'm a very small haunt. It's a mobile haunt. And I am not electronically gifted in the least. Okay. So <clears throat> I would usually have over, you know, the over the loudspeakers, you know, the ambient stuff. My haunt's very themed. It's a medieval Scottish castle. But then... In a certain room, like last year, I had a crow room. And so I had a bunch of a strobe light and a bunch of crows. And then I had this big six foot animated crow. So I had little speaker boxes, literally with a USB drive in it. <laughs> These tiny little boom box cubes. And so that was that was what played my crows in that particular room. And I've, I've actually got cassette tapes where I would record certain things and put it on a loop. And set that, you know, that tape recorder in there in the afternoon every once in a while, they'd have to go check it and, you know, restart it. So totally, totally old school minimum. But I am definitely wanting to bump up and start looking at some of these boo boxes and different sound boxes um, and stuff so that my my sounds can all be um, controlled almost like a theater play where you have your sound and your lighting and everything all at, attached together. Um, well, so, so, so what do I do? I would, because you said your haunts mobile. Uh-huh. It so, means I, I, I take it in, I set it up in two and a half weeks, there for three and a half weeks, and then I tear it down and put it back. Oh, cool. Well, even, so we actually had a haunt on a school bus for a while. And also me and Travis, we're balling on a budget 
turning turds into gold, baby. Like straight up. And (laughs) and one of the ways that we've done it, I would like to have more powered speakers, for instance, in our attraction, but it's not an option. It's there's not enough outlets and all of that. So what we did on the bus, as well as in our attraction, and uh, I would urge anybody to look these guys up, uh, you can get lepies. They are, you can get them in different um, wattages for your needs. They are cheap. They run off of an SD card, or you can hook up other external players if you want to. And those you just plug and play. The speakers on the other end, depending on what your output needs are don't have to be powered and you can what's beautiful about that what we were able to do both in the bus and at the haunt is all of our sound is centrally located and from there we've just got you know the speaker wire running to wherever it needs to go and we can turn on or off the entire haunts lighting and sound by hitting four light switches Okay, now what and is that called again? They're called Lepies, L-E-P-Y, or there's also Sunbuck um, players that are very similar. Um, now, the reason why I'm specifically bringing those up, Tim and Joey, I bet, and Dale, you all three probably know some way higher end um, things, but if you are balling on a budget, man, that's the way to go. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah, I, that's the thing, though, and that's a misconception. It's the number one bug or thing I nip in the butt with a lot of people that go, I don't have the money. I don't have the uh, power hookups to run. You know, I don't have the ability to run some of these bigger audio systems. You don't need something big. I mentioned big for a way of blocking audio frequencies if you have a lot of stuff going on. But when you're doing those small you know, tiny speakers or tiny things to bring your set to life. You don't have to use something large or expensive. And yeah, Lepis are great. You can literally go to most places. If you're doing like a mobile haunt, as you said, or something that's outdoor or something you move, Bluetooth speakers are an option. They're a little expensive because you're paying for all these bells and whistles of having a, a party in your pocket. But then you, you know, you need to buy a, several of them. Lepies I've used before, the, they're they're great. They they work in a pinch. There's something that you can chain together. Um, for me, it's it, that's the thing. Audio can only go so far. I don't know of any haunted house that's Dolby Atmos certified. If it is, I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure like Universal and Disney. I mean, they of course. But like when you are going to a haunted house or most attractions, you don't need to worry about that. You don't need to break the budget or break the bank and you sometimes have to work with what you got. Uh, recently, uh, I did a project where I needed to make all these old radios and old repurposed audio equipment come to life and have old music come out of them. And that's the cool thing is when you're doing those little tiny speakers and set things, I mean, as, um, Joey talked about of having all the animatronic audio coming out of the ground or at the head level or down low with the ambient and the lower tones above you doing smaller speaker systems don't have to be bluetooth you can do options besides that as long as you're not doing multiple you can program something into it that can go through different sounds or work on triggers but one thing that does work and i it's a little intricate within wiring you need to be comfortable with wiring 
uh, and you need to do a little math about voltages and ohms, but you can buy like drivers, the actual drivers that you would build your own speaker. So say if you would make a wooden box or your own woofer or your own in case, uh, in, like case for your speaker or what have you, you just buy the drivers, the little magnetic coil with the cone and everything. You can get whatever size you need. Um, most sizes are like the ones you put in your car door or even smaller. Uh, they run you about like $65 to even less a piece. They work on a pretty decent voltage and you can wire them with just simple speaker wire. As long as you get something maybe balanced or shielded. Uh, I know a Volo, I think it's the brand of cable I use that's on Amazon. It's like a couple hundred bucks. You get like 500 feet of balanced shielded cable with a string inside that so you can take the, the casing off of it. I love it. I can talk all day about that cabling, but you can, um, take these drivers and then put them inside of your set pieces. Just, you can, if you have a carpenter on hand, you're a haunt, you can make some, uh, cases or holders, you can bolt these speakers inside of the boxes, inside of the equipment, and then run cabling to them. And to power them, you can just buy one powered speaker amp. You can buy a, a Behringer, you can buy a Crown amp, anything that has a, a mono um, stereo switch or something can do run stereo into mono. And then you can run two channels, you can run left and right, and then you can make your music and audacity all on left uh, side audio on mono be one track and then right be another and then left does a whole chain of speakers that's one sound effect and right does another and that saves money and you only have one powered uh, amp running all that audio and you have a dual mono uh, out of a stereo switch out of a one powered amp and then you can basically go as you can go as many drivers and speakers as voltage will allow from your your amp and that's very cost effective uh, to throw into uh, also being cost effective uh, and and talking a little further on tech and and actually triggering sound effects um, at the Curioporium. I mean, literally, if you didn't want to, if you didn't have a Costco membership or something, and you go and get just a 5.1 audio system uh, with enough cable wiring to get from point A to point B to to go through your entire haunt. Go to Savers, go look at Goodwill, go look for sound systems that will do what you need to do. Uh, get your base in a good place for wherever your, your ending is going to be or your finale, wherever you think that base is needed most. And then run your run your speakers. But one of the things that we just uh, tried out at the Curioporium, my team and I put together um, an immersive uh, haunted escape room, a uh, horror escape room. And uh, I was I wanted to try something a little bit different because we were going to have uh, actors that were that were part of the show, but we also had a tech guy. Well, one of the actors was portraying a tech guy. Um, I found a free app, although there is a pro version that's called Soundboard Pro. Um, very easy to use, very user friendly. Uh, we ended up taking the sound system there, hooking it up to Bluetooth, using uh, either a phone or an iPad you can Bluetooth to that sound system. And then the iPad itself uh, with the, with the non-paid version, I think you can get up to 25 sound effects on there. Now that means that you could put one like three hour track of your background ambiance, let it be a cemetery, a forest, whatever. And then you can drop in sound effects over that. Uh, you can start and stop them. You can adjust the volume like just by touch. 
It is a super simple soundboard theater uh, uh, usage program. With a pro version, you can add even more sound effects to it. But I found that for not that much money, we were able to pull through um, and add just sound effect over sound effect. And you had like a, like we were talking about before with the design, you have your your ambiance going on. And then you have certain sound effects that are grouped together that are your jump scares. And then you've got certain sound effects that are just kind of your mid-level sound effects that are going on. But really all you need is, is uh, you know, not that expensive 5.1 sound system. Um, and as uh, uh, Tim had mentioned, uh, yeah, with Audacity, I mean, with the, the immersive experience that we did there, it was a 90 minute immersive haunted experience. So it was go, it had one room that was 45 minutes and the, the next room was the rest. Uh, I played with audacity to bring all of those sounds into all, uh, I think we had eight speakers at that point. Uh, no, we started with five, just the five, um, and the bass. but being able to play with that in audacity and sending your sound to certain uh, signals or to certain speakers uh, at any given moment for, throughout your layout. Like really that's what you're looking for to bring something to life, especially when you're trying to make it immersive for not that much money. I do want to remind mm-hmm. you are listening to the round table of terror here on the big scary show. We are talking sound, sound design and others with our very special guests, Joey Marsacci, Tim Stedman, Matt Clayton, and Dale Lettingham, along with our normal co-hosts. We are going to take a very short break to play this very important message from our fine sponsor, HauntPay, and we'll be right back. Are you looking for a comprehensive ticketing solution for your haunted attraction? HauntPay has the answer. We skip the features you don't need and focus on the ones you like, such as timed ticketing and repeat time slots, variable ticket types, bundle and combo tickets, social media discounts, and now featuring all-in-one options including managing your tickets online and at the door, as well as upselling and managing your merchandise and concessions with a comprehensive report on everything at the end of the night. Head on over to hauntpay.com and get started in 60 seconds for free. And we're back to the Roundtable of Terror with our very special guest, Talking Sound. We have Dale Lettingham, Matt Clayton, Tim Stedman, Joey Marsacci, talking about everything, sound, set designs, and all this stuff. And during the break, Storm was talking, and we realized Storm worked at an outdoor attraction, a trail. And I don't believe any of our guests do, but I'm sure they've probably worked with them in the past or freelancing or otherwise. Storm, what was the uh, what was the uh, wording that you wanted to ask the uh, guests? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's also that, you know, a sound needs to be used at any type of attraction, ones with high roofs, ones with small attractions, small, you know, uh, very intimate rooms, hay rides, outdoor trails, and even home haunts. So uh, I guess my question to uh, our, our guests tonight is, what is probably the um, most unique or challenging uh, sound aspect you've had to come up to a solution for? whether it be a scene or uh, a haunted attraction itself. Uh, but, you know, there, there's a big problem, but you found a solution to it. I can, I can mention, I don't know if a lot of people, you talk about indoor, outdoor, have a roof over your head or you don't. I don't know if other people have dealt with this, but fog juice is a huge problem for audio equipment. 
Oh yeah, that'll huge eat huge problem. Huge problem. And I think that was a thing I noticed. Um, because I, you know, there's stage audio where you're at a production or a show or a concert and there's a fog machine, you know, Froggy's fog or uh, master fog, whatever you use, whatever you prefer. It doesn't matter. You're putting a, a glycerin in the air and it settles once, you know, depending if you're in a warm climate or a cold climate, the fog residue will settle eventually. Uh, certain ones have a little bit more viscosity. Some have a, a material to them that, you know, kind of aid their their bond to the air. And when they touch metal, when they touch something that's plastic or metal, even cloth, I find that they kind of stick to it. And it also grabs all the moisture out of the air. And then it grabs onto all the dust in the air. And if you're in an old building, an old factory, I was working in an old casket factory. (laughs) The place was old and very dusty. And believe you and me, fog juice was the bane. It was the number one thing I had to go around with an air compressor or just, you know, using putty to get. I'd, I'd layer putty over some speakers and whoosh, rip just this color of just stain out of some of the speakers. And that stuff will, if you have some good equipment, that's part of your maintenance is going and checking them for water damage. And as well, uh, my struggle that I found a, a way around it is active maintenance. And then a big thing I've had trouble with was um, Q-Line ticketing and audio around your your logistics or your infrastructure that was a hard part and even more so when you're working around a neighborhood or people that have you know go to bed at night and they have to deal with chainsaws and screaming and people and then music outside so i kind of had to do a lot of testing and i kind of found that um, speaker direction volume control everyday checking levels because some days the weather's a lot nicer. Audio is going to travel further when it's a little foggy and crappy out. You know, pardon my French, it doesn't go as far. And it's, you know, you have a benefit. But on those cold nights when it's clear, the air is super crisp. Audio is like a knife and it will go so much further. So I had to kind of, you know, it's really comes down to putting your due diligence, having whoever's doing your audio or your haunt, or if it's you yourself, Walk your attraction with your audio on. Listen, see if it's right. If it's not right, fix it. And, um, you know, spend the time before your curtain call is and just really be very attentive. I have so many notebooks. I just have notebook after notebook of I measure decibel limits. I keep a track. How high was I hitting today? This weather or this type of temperature, I get kind of here. The fog's kind of high today. It's kind of like this. Or, you know, you really keep your data and you collect data and you keep maintenance up. And that's kind of how I was able to find a way through it. Because there's not easy solutions. If you're outside, you have to keep keep them dry. Get a rag, have someone wipe them down if it's raining. You know, it's some solutions are a lot easier than you would assume. I assume there's also local laws regarding volume and curse. Yes. And if you're open on a Thursday or a Sunday... And you can't be as loud because you have to shut everything down to half half power by like 930 at night. Ooh, that's got to be a nightmare. Mm-hmm. What are some of the other concerns that that storm mentioned to our other guests, Dale, Tim, Joey, 
for Matt, you know, what, what are some other things, you know, outdoor versus indoor or some other creative solutions? Uh, as far as indoor, like, uh, what was it? Tim was saying, uh, factory settings and fog and all that good stuff. I ended up, I try to keep them tucked away, like inside their own little box, get them away from things. Sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes I just try and cover them with a cloth to minimize everything that's in the air going through it dirtying them up and getting them as clean as you can possibly have them keeping some things like that clean in an industrial size building is it is a nightmare i, I can attest to that one <laughs> anyone else what about any any solutions to like you know a, a scene feel or design and and come up with something unique for that have you had to face that when uh, uh you know trying to create soundscapes I mean, yes. I've had that. I've had that challenge myself uh, with uh, with uh, the hor- the Horseman's Hollow. I'm not sure. I always want to say the Headless Horseman because that's where it is. But <laughs> in Tarrytown, uh, I mean that it, that entire haunt is a setup in September breakdown two weeks after October, and the sound I, and it's on a a working farm that is, I believe, seven or eight acres. So that haunt is huge and running through it is the Hudson river uh, running directly through the haunt. So we have a lot of background noise that's going on around. We've got the crowds, we've got uh, a fairly busy street surrounding that plant, that, that entire farm. So being able to cordon off your sound so that the outside isn't bleeding in is also a problem sometimes. And it, it, it kind of gets resolved in the same way a bit that you would in, in, a, in a larger haunt that's in, inside uh, in the way that you're, you're using your low tones and your high tones and things like that and your placement of your speakers. But that can be challenging because, uh, you know, like, like we were just talking about with how the weather is affecting the sound and it's traveling. Uh, being right next to the Hudson River, depending on how angry that river is at the moment meant that we had to adjust the sound within the entire property. Uh, but not to the point where it is bleeding into the residential area. That's, that's right next to the plantation or the, the, the farm. Um, so it, it definitely can have its challenges and it was, it was a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot of maintenance. Uh, I don't think most people have to deal with that same sort of thing, like having this angry mother nature thing, like right next to a haunt. Um, but it did have its challenges to it. It was just something that we had to, again, be diligent. Uh, like was mentioned, walk your haunt before it's, before it opens. How is it that night? And, and, you know, keeping up on challenges like that, I think are, are something that, you know, if you're doing like a, a, a hayride, and you've got the tractor, but the sound has to be louder than the tractor that you're being pulled on. Uh, and whether it's coming from the tractor or the scenes itself is definitely uh, can, can have its own uh, issues. But, you know, everything's workable. And it, it's uh, that that uh, mess around and find out that keeps being <laughs> repeated. Um, it's the only way you're going to get past figuring these things out is to really listen uh, from the audience point of view. So I've got a I've got a question for all of our guests, uh, and it it involves the fear frequency. Do you know what I'm talking about? I would hope so. Yes. <laughs> okay. 
how many of you utilize it in your soundscapes? A lot. Constantly, I'd say. For me, most of my music has it in it. Um, a lot of even what is the fear frequency it's not the brown note it's something a little different Mm -hmm. it's a frequency that you can achieve through uh fm synthesis or you can create it through really just playing with white noise even it's the same effect you get if you watch a movie that's in a certain frame rate uh you start to kind of your your eyes are kind of catching up in the same way your body kind of tries to feel it and catch up and it almost kind of sends you off kilter it makes you feel unbalanced it makes you feel anxious uh the thing that i would always kind of move with this frequency is that there was a couple of low tone areas and i used as a sound buffer but i used it as it got louder and louder. It wasn't blaringly loud, but you would start to feel your heart vibrate and it made people have panic attacks. And I knew I was doing my job. If I knew when they, as soon as they would start going in that area, they were, they would faint or they'd have to leave or it would just with the actor standing at the end of a hall, staring at them. And they feel this tone building inside their heart. They feel like they're having a heart attack. That's great for me, not for them, but I mean, that's like, what I, you know, want to achieve most of the time. So you can hide it and you can make it very subtle, but you can put it into your music. And that's why I operate on a large powered speaker basis. I want to be able to fill rooms with it. Every room kind of has it. And that's what makes this when this, this, even when I'm by myself and I forget my flashlight or my crimp, and I need to get something and I'm walking my cart down a service hallway. Uh, If I feel anxious, I know the customer who's never been here is going to be scared out of their mind. And that's the great thing you can do without it being a sound effect, without it being a or chains or a a ladder falling down the stairs. You can achieve a lot with it. Right on. Okay. So for me, honestly, that was, Oh, I'm so sorry. Go on. No, no, go ahead, Joey. Go ahead. I was just going to say, honestly, in getting into sound design, it was that frequency that made me get into horror sound design. And it was because it was used in a uh, in the soundtrack of Close Encounters of the Third Kind in a song, The Abduction of Barry. And to this day, as a child, that song still gets me there. The tones that the way that they use it in that particular song has always gotten to me. And I had to find out what was going on with that. And that was what sent me down the road of playing around with sound design in general because of the anxiousness, because of that, the, just simply because of hearing that song as a child. Um, and it was used so well. So for me, it's used in the finales. It is not used until then. It is built up into the crescendo of the show. And that's that's where I use it. Back to you, Matt. Sorry about that. Well, also oh, from that it's... movie, I, I can't serve myself mashed potatoes at dinner. So, that's, that's... <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, it's funny that you bring up that it was used in Close Encounters. My first um, time hearing about it was, and this is kind of like advice to anybody that does sound design or is trying to make audio for anything, but particularly haunted attractions or interactive escape room type of things nerd out on all of the behind the scenes extras on DVDs that you can 
and learn from the masters because I learned about that fear frequency. It was used a lot in Alien 3. In fact, too much. And that's not only because that film is riddled with a whole host of other problems, but um, that, that movie is really an uncomfortable watch. Not only is it a slow burn, man, it gets, it's just a feeling of unease throughout. But the, the frequency in particular that will really do it is 19 hertz, right. which is like a subsonic, uh, like it's a sub bass. So sometimes if you really want to use it effectively, you might have to, you know, get a, some equipment that can support really pushing that much bass, basically. Do you have to think like a, a kick drum, like a heavy, hardcore kick drum usually hangs out around 40 hertz? This is deeper and nastier and darker than that. So you might need a subwoofer to, to get that going. But um, I've heard a lot about I haven't gotten to use it yet because I've only got a few scenes in our haunt where we have like a sub in use. But there's we have a an elevator thing, you know, like there's haunted elevators in a bunch of attractions. So I'm sure most of the listeners will be familiar. It You get on it. It supposedly goes up and then it crashes down. So there's some subsonic stuff in there because there's a subwoofer on it and there's a creature that you walk inside. And as you're walking through it, you can hear the creature's heartbeat and there's like lights that imitate. Anyway, (laughs) that heartbeat also utilizes some of that. And it's weird because it's counterintuitive as opposed to creating a fear thing if you're right by that room or working it for a long time i think because it is so close to the actual frequency of a heartbeat it almost makes you drowsy because it like you you know how you eat food with your eyes you don't just hear with your ears your whole body interacts with it you are touched your eardrums are touched by sound. So that's another part of it with that um, fear frequency where it's like, how does this thing or how does any sound or how does a group of sounds affect you physiologically as well as psychologically? Because you can use that in the creepiest, manipulative, most psychopathic ways if you're down to get real dark. (laughs) Uh, uh, to that. add to add into that for a second, um, and mentioning yes, absolutely, the 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 making of any film. But recently, uh, so I play a lot of horror video games as well, and so I get inspired uh, by the sound effects and the the engineering and the sound design of those games. Uh, most recently, uh, Callisto Protocol. Um, if you haven't played it, uh, take a look at it. But uh, the entire thing is massively engineered to just be as uncomfortable as possible um but there is a making of that and in the third episode it's all about sound design and they use that frequency in it uh uh, certainly in certain places but there's also an instrument that they use that uh that is there's what like one of eight of this instrument in the world 
that is something specifically made for horror films and horror video games and such. And the name is escaping me right now, but uh, it's online uh, to check out. But the interesting thing about uh, what I find interesting with sound design is using sound effects and creating it as a score behind what's going on, which Kalisto does quite a bit of that in it. Also, uh, the game's Little Nightmares, Little Nightmares 2, also use a lot of uh, sound effects. So even going and listening to those soundtracks of those games for inspiration, uh, I find you really useful um, when creating soundscapes for the immersive shows that I build. Piggyback off that real quick, because you are so right. We're talking like those Silent Hill scores for those first four games. I got them things on vinyl like because they are the best akira yamaoka is the one like not only did that game change horror gaming forever uh along with resident evil i guess um but (laughs) there's there's something to that sound design where you know along with what trent reznor did with quake and stuff like that there's that was a prime example of where the score and the sound design, which was always treated as an afterthought when it actually got the love and the care that it was due, which movies had been enjoying for most of the century. Oh man, pun intended game changer. And so, yeah, if you, if you're wanting to make sound for a haunt geek out passionately on film scores sometimes just the like especially now in horror most film scores are more sound design than they are music and if you pay attention nerd out find out who the producer was find out what daw they used you know look up tips and tricks on mixing because especially since a lot of haunt owners are balling on a budget when it comes to what they're using to put this sound out how it's made, how it's produced, especially with things like this uh, fear frequency. It's like you have to know the mechanics and the magic to kind of make it happen. The production side of it is just as important because to the end customer, they're not going to know why this sound in this room sounds like it's coming out of a blown speaker, but they're going to be taken out of the illusion They're going to be taken out of the world that you created. So the more you can teach yourself about like how to properly use the tools to make these things, the better geek out. I'm looking at the clock and we do probably need to start slowly winding down here. We could probably talk for another two or three hours. No doubt. This is a fascinating conversation, but I did want to throw in at least probably one of the last questions that I have is, when you guys create your soundtracks, do you prefer to create more music or do you guys prefer to create more ambient signs, so, uh, sounds and things? And how does the topic of copyrights fit into the music? I, I live in the South. There's a lot of small mom and pop haunted trails and you know pop-up haunted houses. And you walk in and they're playing Ozzy and Metallica and Alice Cooper. And I know that they're small potatoes and they're probably not 
worried about BMI or ASCAP, but do you guys have to worry about those things when you're creating? You use a copyrighted piece of music in any of your soundscapes, or do you have to pay royalties? I know, you know, Midnight Syndicate is royalty free, Jerry Vane is is royalty free, Virgil Franklin, so many other stuff. Pretty much all the ambient music that we play on our show is royalty free, or we have permission from the artists. But how do you guys balance or which do you prefer? Do you prefer working with a musical soundtrack or an ambient soundtrack? And again, what about the topic of copyrights? And are those small mom and pops violating copyright law by playing Ozzy and Alice Cooper, Marilyn Manson, et cetera? It depends. It really depends on where you are uh, and what kind of attention your attraction grows. Because there's some big attractions in the Midwest and Ohio uh, and you know, in the South as well, they're large attractions and they do a lot of people and I come to them and I, they're most of the haunt. I hear like, you know, Marilyn Manson on loop through the whole thing. And, uh, I literally hear, I remember when the quiet place came out, I heard the quiet place soundtrack pretty much everywhere. People were just ripping things from YouTube uh and because i would look at some of the files and they'd always say like youtube rip in the embedded in the mp3 file i go okay cool yeah it's fine i hey you know everyone's been there i've done the same thing but i mean for me when i make music it's you know i don't use anything that i don't record everything i do is original so when it's you know, when I'm making something for an attraction, I don't have to worry about anyone knocking on my door because I record, I'll go to a sound station, I'll record everything. I'll use air who's I'll use the nightmare machine. I think it's the instrument joy might've been talking about a nightmare machine is this large box with um, basically pickups built into it. Lots of metal uh, kind of notes. They also have water phones as well uh, that are great for making really spooky sounds and you can do Foley and those types of sound designs and Foley design into making a soundtrack where it's a cacophony of sounds and ambience that becomes the song and it could be in C the whole way through and that's fine. And, you know, touching on earlier, it's like when you're outside the attraction and this kind of plays on the nightmare frequency we talked about earlier outside the attraction, a lot of haunts have party music, their plan, whatever, a playlist of something that people love every year. It's part of going to an attraction for a lot of people to come into the line and hear, you know, metal, rock, sometimes even some pop hits that, you know, you're having fun, you're drinking cocoa with your friends, you know, someone just made you spill your cocoa all over the ground and you're laughing, you're having a great time. And I want that. And I think that's really great about attractions there is a sticky it's a sticky shoe because you don't know who it really takes someone coming to your attraction and go you do how many people and you you don't pay royalties for any of this music outside it just takes one person to say something but i I don't often see it um and all it really takes is someone to warn you and then you have to stop but i don't you know you go to a grocery store you go to uh, a gas station you hear music while you're pumping gas not everything is royalty free not everything is a lot of things are under a public commons when music is released you know it's on spotify what's to stop someone from playing spotify in a park while they're having a fundraiser it's all a part of what someone stands to gain if the artist says hey 
I don't like your attraction. I don't like your business. You're making a bunch of money off of my, and then it comes into a point of dispute in court where did, did you playing ABBA outside the haunt really send you into the bank? Is ABBA going to have to come and scalp you for what you did? I mean, it's, it really comes to that, into that point. But for personally, when I create music or if I'm working with a haunt, I say, get rid of all the other stuff. Uh, even the sound effects, if you got it off of a website, I'd rather be risk-free and playing off of the frequencies. When you're outside the attraction, it's party time. And when you come inside, I want it, people to feel bad. So, I mean, that's kind of like how you can play off of that. You you can have that other music in your attraction, but there's, there needs to be a separation and there needs to be a point where it's your show. And I, that's very important. Anyone else I want to go to the haunt that has ABBA. That would be terrifying. I, I agree Ooh, with Tim. It is a little it, bit of a gray area. It, I mean, as as far as the sounds that I like to use is more ambient. You know, makes it seem like something in a room. But if you can, you can get those royalty free too. And you know, technically, no one's stopping you from pulling something off YouTube. But it, I, I try if I had to, because like I said, we've all done it. I like to take it, but I would just take off it and maybe add another. Piece sound behind my audacity or reaper or whatever doll i'm using change the frequency add some more to it maybe loop it cut something here you know and making this original sound from something if i have to uh for me i try to stay away from uh music as well the only like i do a lot of foley work so most of my stuff is original as well i have years and years of doing Foley work and I just have a many banks of sounds. The one thing that I have used that is, uh, uh, music, classical music, uh, I will take and I will drop the pitch and the speed of it down. Um, and use that as like kind of when you're entering a scene. So especially if it's like a creepy library, things like that, I will use Mozart. I am not beyond using like older classical music and really slowing it down and manipulating it to a point where it sounds horrible, or at least it's, it sounds, it doesn't, it's not even recognizable as the sound. And that's really kind of an homage to uh, Inception, uh, which is where I, I gathered that idea from to really kind of slow down time and use something that's a little bit familiar, but you don't know what it is. Um, I've had midnight syndicate come in to the curiaborium and say, Hey, would you like to use our music? It, it's not the place for it. I mean, certainly uh, they're, they're wonderful and it's wonderful that they let people use their music and it's license free. Um, but I find that the ambiance and sound effects are much more uh in tune with what I like to create uh, as a, as a story element. And I think similar to what Dale, Tim and Joey have all said, um, there's no one size fits all answer to the first part of your question, which is, do you prefer ambient or music? Because for example, at the devil's attic, again, microcosm, small room, he wants you to know exactly what film or time period or what have you so you build in those almost axiomatic uh musical things that everybody oh that's not exactly the hellraiser theme but that's 
Christopher Young's compositional style. So we're going to, or what have you. So like in his case, it's, it's both music and ambient stuff at the American Horrorplex, you know, back in the day when we were seventh, I was, it was almost a prog rock concept album of music. Now it's like all organic ambient sound or things that make you feel like you're in that space going through that thing. So it, it really just depends. And while we don't have ABBA in the haunt in every single padded cell um, in any haunt, and if somebody commissioned me to do sound for their haunt, if they had a padded cell, the carpenters would be playing in that padded cell. Hey. <laughs> so can we put and, some ABBA in the horrorplex though? That'd be amazing. <laughs> I mean, maybe we need to. Maybe somewhere. Dancing Queen would definitely fit some places. I'm, I'm here for that. I don't mean to be a trendsetter, <laughs> but I hope it catches on. I'm going to be really plugging it this year and advising people to put ABBA in their haunts to really get people <laughs> that sense of, you know, purpose. Like, you know, I need to get out of here. So I think that's a good idea. I think everyone needs to put ABBA in their haunt. I'm a marionette. Especially if they're going to come down and skip. <laughs> <laughs> but then as far as the copyright thing, I may have just screwed myself because I opened up about having the carpenters in there. But um, yeah, like Tim was saying, it's, it's going to be a numbers game. And it's the same with like film copyright. As long as you're not charging on your ticket saying, hey, come get in our queue line and you'll hear a bunch of 90s R&B, like then you're not technically profiting off of that thing. So there's sort of exploit. You can, you can exploit some loopholes, but yeah, you don't want to, don't poke the bear on purpose. Don't utilize especially don't utilize somebody's copyrighted material in like your advertising and, and things like that. Cause then you're asking for it. We will, we will not tell any entertainment lawyers about this round table tonight. So that's fine. Any final questions from our hosts or from our guests to other guests? Uh, um, I, I, I got one fun one, but jo Jonah, you can go first. I was just going to say that um, the old crone segment, uh, the next show is going to be all about, um, I'm going to revel you with renditions of Carpenters and Abba songs. <laughs> Sounds good to me. That is especially the content that I signed up for. Thank you. Um, my last question for tonight is, um, <clears throat> have you ever created a sound for a scene and gone, I got to use this, but it's going to drive the actors crazy. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and what would that time. be? Uh, there was a, uh, we were redoing some audio in our cage maze and I had some metal and I had some chains and I was just sitting there recording and beating it. And I put it in there and I was probably about only like a minute and a half loop. And I knew as soon as I put it in there, in our industrial scene that the actors that are in this room are going to hate my entire existence, <laughs> but just the sounds of the metal scraping and the chains going across the floor. And just with the visual styles and aspects of the lights and the fog and all the metal in that room, it was too good to use. And eventually I was nice enough to change it. 
but they did not like my existence. And that was for sure. You can't avoid it. You'll always make an actor upset. Um, even if you're designing a haunt or building a room, this hole is too small. This hallway is too dark. This place smells like haunt spray. I mean, it's a haunt. A lot of people are new to it. Most haunters, I feel like this is like a badge of honor that I put up with this for six hours. Well, you know, attacking people and scaring people. I mean, I feel like a lot of them just kind of buck it up because it comes with with being in a haunt as a as a designer making something that's blaring and you can't escape it. You can leave a room, but like while you're in the room, you're being blanketed by sound and it's your constant and the actor has to use it for energy throughout the night. So I try to give most rooms long enough of a track to where you're not hearing, Oh, here's the part again. Here's the repeat. I try to have songs have a lot of fluidity and length to kind of give them a little piece, but a song that I did, um, I had some music that was really low frequency in a room. Uh, it was a asylum setting and on the asylum, there's like a main office with a, you know, the, the steward or the nurse was playing music for all the uh, patients in the hospital. And of course I took a lot of old music. I also took some old creepier things that aren't really music. I went and scanned out old war um telecom communication like ham radio signals and i took all those and i kind of layered that over some older music like you're hearing something weird like brainwashing you know so then i use that audio to then pump into the room with all these actors and they're all um set piece um drivers and speakers so they're right all like around ear level with the actors and they have to hear them all night but i put a very special song in there off of a vinyl record it was um it was Percy, uh, yeah, Percy Faith's uh, A Theme from a Summer Place, if you know that song. And I put that on a vinyl and I would take my thumb and press my thumb down on the vinyl and, and it would go up. And right as the violin would hit that high point in the song, I would, as I was walking through the night, sometimes I'd hear all the actors go, oh, my God, not again, please. And I go, yeah, that's they signed up for it. I told them it would be in the room. So, but I think that was a thing I always enjoyed. I, you know, in the, in the sick sadistic part of my brain, but uh, do I have remorse? No. Is that the question? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and the room next to me, this was back. Ooh, early two thousands had a sound effect that went, no, no, no. On a six second loop <laughs> 10 times a minute 600 times an hour 3600 times in a six hour period i never want to hear that sound ever again and thankfully that haunt is not using that anymore because i never went back to that same haunt while they were still doing it and it was just for this little stupid little animatronic that was just spinning in a circle. It was a dude like strapped on a rack, but was spinning in a circle like you would see in a knife throwing with that little no, 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 every six seconds. <sighs> Hated it. I took a bunch of recordings thing. of my actors whispering stuck here like and I distorted those and looped those. And the first night I played it, it freaked them out because they were hearing voices they knew. And sometimes their own voices. And they're like, what am I hearing? <laughs> That's your inner demon. 
Well, and it's probably part of the fun for some of us that have had to do our own like voice acting on, you know, Foley sessions or whatever. You get to do stupid like character voice acting and, you know, the actors will be like, is that? Wait a minute. Is that you? But for all of us that make this stuff, John, Dale, Tim, Joey, we, we're all like you have to sometimes if you're really getting deep you'll almost you'll be sitting in front of the same two minute maybe even one minute loop making an ambient sound for like four to eight hours mixing mastering playing with it and you'll get because you're listening for every tiny little detail to make sure it's all perfect or whatever you'll get weird new psychedelic ears and if you don't make yourself uncomfortable while you're sitting there making it, and then for about two to six days afterwards, you're still not kind of sick from listening to, you know, the audio version of sickness, then you're not doing it right. So, yeah, I think the goal is to, to peeve off the actors by making them feel queasy. <laughs> Any Fantastic. We 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 once had a scene out in the woods where the um, uh, customers would walk through a small school bus, and we took "Wheels on the Bus" the song and slowed it down by about a third. And the actors gave up. We knew we had won when the actors gave up and would sing along with it. So literally the whole night, it's just wheels on the bus go round and round. Just the whole night is fantastic. That's just evil. (laughs) Yep. Any final questions? Well, folks, it has been an absolutely fascinating discussion on sound, soundscapes, making your haunt sound even better hopefully we have informed and entertained you with some of this with our very special guests this is the part of the show we like to affectionately call the plugs all of our guests have the opportunity to promote their various haunts or companies via websites and social medias let's start with joey joey how can people get more information about grim studios the curioporium and all things thereof. Yes, uh, Grim Studios, G-R-Y-M-M studios.com. It's, uh, the website is being bright and shiny and made new again, So, uh, but the old one is still there and functioning uh, for costumes, for sound design, for consulting on immersive or haunts, uh, many different ways. I'm also on Facebook. I'm also on Instagram under the same. And I'm on TikTok, even though I'm 50 and I probably shouldn't be there. You can find Grim Studios there as well. So uh, definitely reach out if you need any uh, nightmares brought to life. I'm your I'm your guy. Very nice. Uh, I'm older than you. I still don't understand TikTok, but that's okay. Uh, Dale, tell us a little bit about Factory of Terror and, and all that good stuff. How can people find out more information? Uh, you can find us at FOTOhio.com or on Facebook, uh, Factory Terror Haunted House. You can find reviews, directions, all that good stuff on Scare Factor, good friends. So any questions, you can go ahead and look there, get any answer. Excellent. Love that haunt. Uh, Matt, tell us about uh, how people can get more information about the American Horrorplex 
and all of that good stuff. You can search American Horrorplex on any of the multiple socials, the Facebos, the Grimmy Grams, the Tiki Talkies, the Tuba U's. You can find us on all those places. There's AmericanHorrorplex.com. Also, check out The Devil's Attic. Um, same thing. You can just search that everywhere. Um, go to Scare Factor. Um, we are there also. And in fact, kind of work with them on ticket sales and other things. So Scare Factor is a great landing page for almost all of the things. So you should just go there and check it out. Um, and yeah, um, we're all over the place. Look us up. There you go. And Tim, how can people find out more about Dark Chord Audio Productions and maybe a little bit about Nightmare Forge and some other things? Uh, yeah, you can find uh, Dark Chord Audio Productions on uh, Instagram and Facebook. Uh, I'm not really active on Twitter. I have them on there. But the best place to find everything about Dark Chord Audio Productions is going to be at uh, Dark Chord, D-A-R-K, C-H-O-R-D, like the musical chord, dot com. Uh, and all of my information's on there, contact, everything you need to know. Uh, I also have a store page. I'm starting to put on more uh, digital releases to, you know, buy some of my music if you'd like um, to support me. That'd be great. Um, as well as um, just, you know, some portfolio work of things that you can hear or uh, if you wish to contact me on work, uh, you can find all of my information through the uh, my, my website of uh, my main website. And we have um, the nightmareforge.com. Uh, the site is not we're, we're doing our full release for MHC in uh, this upcoming June at Rosemont. We will be having a booth there. Um, and basically, all I can really say about that is just uh, keep your eyes out on um, all the haunt socials. Um, we have some things coming uh, towards the haunted industry, and um, I'm excited. Uh, I'm working with a lot of great people, a lot of people I've worked with through for the past years. Um and just, I, I'd like to say it's basically just a one-stop shop for haunted houses and production consultation and everything you can imagine. So um, I'm really excited to take part of that uh, and representing Dark Cord through that company uh, and as well being part of that company, uh, doing operations for it. And so you really just find me on my website. And of course, we couldn't do this without our great hosts, including Storm. I'm sorry, Badger. You've taken so long. We got to put the Amish haunt on hiatus. I don't even know how we do music with it. I'm going to get with Jonah, and we're going to do a ABBA-inspired Egyptian-themed haunt, Mummy Mia. Oh, I love it. That sounds good. Art. I hate Just it here. Art. I hate it here. I, I hate it here. <laughs> And the musical saw and all that stuff and just create live music at the Amish haunt. But we'll discuss that off the air. Also want to thank Meat Hook Jim. All right. I'm older than both of you and I sort of understand TikTok. Hmm. Aren't you special? <laughs> I bet your daughter talks. Nope. <laughs> we also couldn't do this without great questions from the old crone, a.k.a. Jonna. Okay, guys, so stay tuned for my segment on Ask the Old Crone. We've talked about Audacity a lot. Um, I'm going to go through a little bit of a tutorial on Audacity, on Audacity, 
and also talk about some of the other free software recording or recording softwares that you can try out. Very nice. My name is Drew Badger, and I just want to remind each and every one of our listeners that while this show is going on, we will be celebrating our 11th anniversary. And on behalf of the 286 shows, we want to thank each and every one of our listeners for making this possible. We will have a big anniversary special on our next show, so stay tuned for that. But for now, this is the Roundtable of Terror here on, 11 years later, The Big Scary Show. Mama Mia, here I go again. How can I resist him? It's perfect. It works. Can you imagine just mummies walking out sarcophaguses to that? It's brilliant. I wouldn't mind working in Amish Han. I could play the saw. Can I be a part of this? (laughs) I want in. Drew Badger here. We're live in Owensboro, Kentucky at Fear Expo. We're having a great time. It's Friday. Crowds have come in. They're wandering around, checking out all the cool stuff here. And one of the people next to me was a big part of yesterday's haunt tour where they visited Waverly Hills Sanatorium. And uh, a lot of people are saying they got completely creeped out out there, all the cool stuff that uh, Waverly Hills has to offer. And I got Nicole here who's with Waverly Hills. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Uh, excellent. As always, going to a show like this is always fun. Now, uh, you had the tours come through. What was the general impression of people who had never come to Waverly Hills before? And, and what what is Waverly Hills? It's not really a traditional haunted house either. Right. It's not a traditional haunted house. Um, I was actually one of the tour guides. I had the first group and the third group. Um, everybody seemed like really impressed, not with just like the part of the haunt they did get to go in, which was only a couple spots. Um, so Waverly Hills is an OTB hospital that broke ground and opened in 1926. They closed down in 1961. We have a lot of paranormal activity there. Um, the, just the history behind Waverly is 
is awesome. And I think that's what the crowd really enjoyed yesterday is getting to learn the history, whether it be the history, the paranormal, and actually getting to kind of experience some crazy stuff too. Now, this this was an old hospital where if you had TB or something like that, they would send you out there for, quote, treatment, fresh air, sunshine, and whatever else. Correct. And, you know, we're, we're it was not a sunny day yesterday, I don't believe. So, you know, nobody was out there benefiting with that. But was, was anybody, you know, having any experiences? I know on a couple of my tours, when we went into the operating room, some people kind of got lightheaded, a little dizzy, a little upset stomach, which is actually really common in that room. Um, I know All the nitrous that was used there, probably? Yeah, well, it was, their choice of anesthetics was actually ether, which is pretty cool. Um, I know some people feel like they got touched. Um, I just had a lady come through and talk to me who said she felt like two females were talking to her and she thought were her friends. And when she turned around, nobody was there. Interesting. So, you know, you're out here promoting not only the Waverly Hills Haunted Attraction, which happens every October, but you do group tours and things year-round, or almost year-round, I should say. Yeah, so we are open from March to December, and um, if you're not really into the paranormal and just want to learn the history of Waverly Hills, we do historical tours on Sundays, and we alternate between the weeks of Tuesdays and Thursdays, we do historical tours. We also do paranormal two-hour guided tours on Friday and Saturday nights. We also have (laughs) public overnights, which is between 40 and 60 people in the building so they start at $90. We also do private overnights, which is you, minimum of 10 people, and you get to come in and go anywhere in the um, facility that is not under lock and key. And during Halloween, you have an actual haunted attraction on the site? We do. So not only do we the, do the haunted attraction, you can also purchase a VIP ticket and get a mini tour of Waverly Hills as well. Has any actor at the haunted attraction, shall we say, had an experience? That, I'm not sure. I know this year it was pretty smooth. It was smooth sailing. Um, But as far as, like, their paranormal experience, I'm not sure. For people wanting more information about Waverly Hills, a a very old historic building out in Louisville, Kentucky, maybe you're interested in a tour, maybe you'd like to go do a paranormal investigation, or just enjoy a nice haunted house in the fall, or check out something that's really, really creepy. I've been there, and it, it will creep you out. How can people get information? So you can go to www.therealwaverlyhills.com and book reservations for any events, um, any tours, or any special thing that we have going on. Do you have social media where you maybe post videos or things like that as well? You can find us on Facebook, um, the Waverly Hills Sanatorium. We're also on TikTok, which we are revamping that. So um, it's going to become more active as as time goes on. So check out TheRealWaverlyHills.com for all your tour information. Nicole, a pleasure to have you here on The Big Scary Show. And again, you know, Waverly Hills is a really creepy place. So if you find yourself in Kentucky sometime between March and December, December. you might want to check them out. You never know what's going to happen to you. Yep. Thank you so much. (laughs) Once again, folks, Drew Badger here live at Fear Expo in Owensboro, Kentucky for The Big Scary Show. And we're out. Greetings, listeners, listeners, and welcome. welcome. Watch out. Don't trip over that torso. torso. It's time time for Between between the the corpses. Corpses.
Greetings listeners, Meat Hook Jim here, and as we continue our journey down torture and execution, we are now clapped in irons. Prisoners were feared and hated by society at large. It seemed natural to clap them in irons to ensure that none escaped to wreak havoc in the surrounding community. A man arrested and awaiting trial was just as likely to have 14-pound leg irons hammered shut around his ankles as a convicted murderer. The use of ironwork was the only sure way a jailkeeper knew he could deliver a prisoner for his trial. Once a prisoner was immobilized, there was no need to for many staff or even secure buildings. Prisoners were expected to pay a blacksmith to apply manacles and later to have them removed. But the chained inmate was allowed unlimited visits from friends and family. Keepers were keen for outsiders to come in bearing food and refreshments so they did not have to provide for them. That makes sense. At least the iron collar was a thing of the past by the dawning of the 18th century. The collar, or jug, was filled with lead and weighed in excess of 10 pounds. Its unfortunate wearer was often attached to it, attached by it to a post, and underwent public ridicule. Bilbo's iron loops on a sliding bar that were padlocked into place still existed in English jails. Those awaiting execution were kept in chains in their cells many of them youths. A writer in 1833 gave testimony to the number of children being sentenced to death in the era. Nothing can be more absurd than the passing of sentences of death on boys under 14 years of age for petty offenses. I have known five in one session in this awful situation, one for stealing, a comb, almost valueless, Two, for a child's sixpenny storybook, another for a man's stick, and a fifth for pawning the, his mother's shawl. It was difficult, but not impossible to escape from prison manacles. Jack Shepard, the 18th century British highwayman and thief, became an expert. After friends smuggled tools to him in the new prison at Clerkenwell, he filed off his fetters and escaped with his companion, Edgeworth Bess. He was recaptured, but again confronted the authorities by confounded the authorities. I can't read tonight, sorry. He was recaptured, but again confounded the authorities by breaking free of irons in a cell at Newgate. Brought back by a posse of horsemen from his new haunt in Finchley, Shepard was next restrained by double iron cuffs. By now a celebrity in London, visitors flocked to see him, often bearing food and tools. The keepers moved him to the castle, the strongest room in the prison, where he was chained to the floor 24 hours a day. Shepard even attempted to free himself from this remote cell. Young man, I see what you've been doing. 
I understand it is your business to make good your escape, if you can. And it is mine to take care you shall not, said the jailer. Then let us both look at our business, replied the indomitable Jack. On October 15, 1724, Shepard escaped the castle, still wearing the leg irons that he had filed from their housings. Alas, his bragging brought about his recapture. Jack Shepard was held in outsized chains by the ankle and wrist during his final stay in Newgate and eventually hanged. Chain gangs also left prison hulks to work the land in Federers. A survey of prisons carried out by London merchant James Neald in 1812 found that the routine was use of chains had been largely abandoned except in the chronically overcrowded and old-fashioned Newgate, which reserved them for the most quarrelsome and violent prisoners. Gathering of Darkness Darkness Falls on the Big Scary Show.
Here we go. Hello, everyone. Drew Badger here. We're live in Owensboro, Kentucky at Fear Expo. It is Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Things are still happening here. There's people wandering around, people carrying stuff they've bought, people selling stuff for those people that are carrying these things. And there's a lot of press around here. There's people with cameras and video equipment and all sorts of stuff. And then I see this guy that I've seen many, many times wandering around lots and lots of different shows. It is Johnny Bronto from Haunt Scene. Based down in Florida. Johnny, you've come up here for Kentucky to go check out uh, Fear Expo. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Great show this year. Uh, definitely growth from last year as far as the vendors go and the crowds go. And I think everybody's having a really, really good time. So I would consider this show a success. I would say, you know, this is my first time here. Uh, I heard a lot of things about last year, and we won't necessarily go into any of that, but it seems that they have learned from and taken the constructive criticism of last year and have made a vastly improved show. And like you said, a lot of the vendors have said so. A lot of the people who were here last year have also said so. Yeah, oh yeah, it's very apparent when you walk in, especially if you've, if you've, uh, if you were here last year, a big difference. Uh, we, again, we won't go into those things, but what are some of the things that have, uh, let's say, surprised you or amazed you or even freaked you out a little bit while walking around the floor here? Any Anything that's just, like, really, really cool that uh, you may not have seen at Transworld because they may not have been vending there? Uh, I really like the blacklight area. Like, a whole section of the floor in another part of the convention center is all blacklit. It's got blacklit uh, makeup and effects and, and uh, different vendors that specialize in blacklight and UV stuff. So that's really, really cool. Um, even just walking over the floor, it's uh, it's got, like, this little padding on it and things. That's a little bit different from last year. So I think comfort's a big deal with the, with the vendors here. Uh, but, yeah, I just I just love seeing everybody. I think it's a, it's a nice touch that it's not a concrete floor that we're walking on. They have put some kind of laminate here. We, we've had volunteers walking around asking us if we wanted bottles of water or if we needed anything. It's, it's a nice little customer staff. You know, smaller shows are able to do that with their staffs and everything. And it really makes a lot of, uh, a lot of difference. You know, I have felt nothing but welcome here. Every one of the vendors I've talked to so far has said they have been treated very, very well, and and I guess it shows. And I also guess that the customers are noticing things like that as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. This show right here, you can actually have a conversation with the vendors, and you can talk to them for more than a, a second. And you know, some of the other uh, bigger conventions, which are amazing, uh, this right here can form those relationships, network. What I'm here to do is just schmooze, meet people. And uh, this show is really perfect for that. So I love it. So speaking of schmoozing, let's talk about Haunt Scene a little bit. You guys are kind of a, I don't know how to describe it, a travelogue for haunted houses. You basically go and you don't really editorialize on them. You just show people what they're all about. Yeah, we're, uh, we're out there to promote the haunt industry. We're not reviewers. Uh, I really think of Haunt Scene as like a travel show. Uh, we just want to show people what's out there because I think one of the biggest barriers to the haunt industry is the normies not even knowing that some of these haunts exist. So we just try to show people what's out there and uh, try to get the haunt industry promoted in any way, shape, or form that we can. Now you have picked a state and you've decided to go basically go to a haunt in all 50 states. Yes. I assume that you have a state in mind for 2023. 
Yeah, we. Uh, so I don't have to do this forever. Uh, I think uh, I think we're trying to do a couple new haunts, a couple new states every year. So I believe on the, our annual road trip, we're going to do Pennsylvania, uh, Delaware, Maryland, and I think West Virginia is on the list for this year. And then we'll have pretty much all of the East Coast wrapped up. And this is where things get a little bit more difficult when we have to go from Florida to other states like Wyoming or Utah or Mo- Montana. You know, we'll get there eventually, but I'm hoping I can have this wrapped up by the time I retire from my real day job. <laughs> Uh, who knows when that'll be, but again, you know, the whole East Coast, that's pretty good. They do have these things called planes that fly in the sky and can take you to other places. It's, it's kind of neat, to, you know, when you try it sometimes. That's where it gets expensive, though. <laughs> yes, it does, unfortunately. But, you know, it, it's a great service that you guys do. You know, I've seen some of your videos and things, and, and it's just fun. You're, you're almost there. You know, I can't necessarily take a trip to Maryland, or I can't take a trip to New York. I can't take a trip to wherever and go check out a haunt but I can see it on your show. Right. Yeah, that's that's what we're all about. You know, unfortunately we can't do every single haunt out there because bandwidth issues, but yeah, we usually pick a weekend or two and uh, travel uh, and uh, yeah, so if you are a haunt and you're listening to this and you're somewhere west of the Mississippi, hit up Haunt Scene. Uh, let me know your haunt. We'll look you up, and maybe at some point in 2035 we can get you on the list. <laughs> Sounds fun. Uh, do you have haunts already picked out for Pennsylvania, Delaware, Maryland, New Jersey, and maybe West Virginia? Uh, so far we've got in Pennsylvania, we've got on the list this year, Penhurst Asylum and Field of Screams. We've wanted to do Field of Screams for years. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm at... Um, uh, wow, I can't even remember his name. Jim Werner from Eloise Asylum in, in Michigan. And apparently he runs Penhurst Asylum. Big fan of him as an individual. And I uh, can't wait to see Penhurst uh, when we get out there. And I, I'm being told you can do both of those in the same night. So we try to string haunts together if we can to maximize our time. Sounds like a plan. And, and if I may make a suggestion, if you're going into Delaware, Frightlands in northern Delaware, and that is a nice, nice haunt. They got a great hayride, and they got like seven or eight separate haunts there. And it's just a fun evening there, too. See, that's all it takes because when, we, when we're going to a, a state that we've never been to before, if we meet somebody at a convention or whatever, that's usually word of mouth is how we pick the haunts. Excellent. I'll put you in touch with some people so we can talk about that. So for people wanting more information about Haunt Scene, when are you on the air? Which, you know, being online, you may have a regular schedule. You may just be able to download as necessary. How can people get more information? Maybe you have a haunt that you would like to suggest. Hey, come visit this one or that one or other and find out everything about Haunt Scene through websites and social media. Yeah, uh, I mean, do all the haunts. Just do all of them. Of Every single one out there. Uh, but uh, as far as the show goes, uh, our season nine, our live show starts in April. April 4th is our first uh, thing. So that's like next a week from Tuesday. And, uh, and we, you can watch a show on our Facebook Live. Uh, but we're haunts on everything. Our main channel these days is going to be Instagram. Uh, but we take our live episodes that we do on Tuesday nights at 8 o'clock on Facebook Live. We upload those to YouTube the day afterwards. So watch them there. Subscribe to us. And then our, our main platforms, like I said, are Facebook, uh, Instagram, and YouTube these days. And that would be Haunt Scene. Haunt Scene. Yep. Haunt and then Scene, like a crime scene. Not like I seen that thing over there and it was cool. Yeah, that would, that would be, <laughs> a, be wrong. That would be a little wrong. Yeah. There you go. So, Johnny, thank you very much. I wish you nothing but success on Season 9. That's awesome that you got that coming up starting in April. Once again, folks, hauntscene.com. Check them out on Instagram, Facebook Live, every Tuesday at 8 o'clock. 
starting in April, and of course, their YouTube channel for all the archives. My name is Drew Badger. We are live here at Fear Expo in Owensboro, Kentucky, hanging with all the cool kids, and we're out. In 1897, Dr. Alexander Hammond arrived at an institution for the criminally insane, only to discover the unsolved murders of several guards. Drivers, where are we? Jerry Bain takes you into Black Moon Asylum, a twisted abyss of torment, madness, and the horrifying mystery of Patient 292. Time for your medication. Black Moon Asylum, a symphonic journey into darkness from Hunstrumentalist Jerry Vane. Download Black Moon Asylum at jerryvane.com, iTunes, cdbaby.com, Amazon MP3, and your favorite download site. Sheer stark terror grips you in underwater 3D in Creature from the Black Lagoon. The most terrifying monster of the ages rises from the sea, raging with pent-up passions. Making every man his mortal enemy, every woman's beauty his prey. Creature from the Black Lagoon in 3D, starring Richard Carlson and Julie Adams. Every horrifying scene leaps out of the screen right at you. A universal re-release rated G. Hello everybody, Drew Badger here. We're live in Owensboro, Kentucky at Fear Expo. We're hanging out with all the cool kids and all the vendors and seeing all the people buying and selling and somebody that I haven't seen for going on close to three years due to various things, but is back and vending again is Mike Murray, very good makeup artist, usually sells a high, high quality line of cosmetics and makeup stuff is with mile high fx now mike how you doing i'm doing great drew how are you doing um we are hanging in there we're having a good time man for the last three years we have missed seeing you at shows you used to be everywhere and then things happened and but now you're back we don't have to go into those things but we are just happy to see that you are back in the vending game with some really cool stuff oh yeah i am thrilled to be back i i thoroughly missed the haunt industry yeah, I was gone for about three years. Life happens, and you know, sometimes you gotta take care of life in the process of trying to do what you love. So uh, I'm back. Um, I actually uh, partnered with Mythica Von Griffin. She wanted to bring back the makeup line after I, you know, kind of gone on my, you know, my way for the little bit of time. And so it's back. We now have over a hundred and twenty colors of aqua makeup. We have brought back our hybrid alcohol palettes, but we've also expanded into bloods, liquid latex, even spirit gum. We have a whole new line of stencils. We've added a lot, and although I know this audio so you guys can't see, our booth looks amazing. Like, we've never done a booth this big before. It is a cool booth. You've got a lot of day glow over here. you got some black light, refractive, refractive, reactive, bleh, reactive stuff here. Tell us what some of this is. Well, over there um, in in our UV section... We have our 22 UV colors in aqua makeup, which puts us way beyond any other of our competitors. I think our close competitor is seven colors, whereas we are 22 now. We even have UV reactive eyeshadows. I've got my alcohol palette, which we call the party palette, which is solid, which is solid UV in hybrid alcohol dry palettes. And I've even got regular palettes now too. We've expanded our UV line a lot, and it's we even have glitter. We even have UV glitter. Oh, oh, don't get me near glitter. Oh, I can't stand glitter, but these people love... (laughs) I blame her. People love glitter. 
not not this person, but other people. Do. Now, now, when you say you have you know all these colors of aqua, you know, just being a regular person, I think aqua is blue. But these are not just blue blue makeup lines. You, this is a whole aqua. I assume is a brand name as opposed to just a color. You're trying to tell me this isn't all blue? Well, you know, the the, the some of it is blue. <laughs> the signage is blue and all that. I mean, is that is that by design? Hmm. It, it is by design, <laughs> but the blue is actually because we're a mile high, so we're up in the mountains. We're in the sky. Ah, Elevate your look. There you go. Go on up with it. It, um, it makes sense now. <laughs> but our aqua line is water activated. So we have two ah. we have two main types. You have alcohol activated, which is our hybrid alcohol makeup in airbrush or palettes. And then we have our water activated makeup. Hence why we call it Aqua. The brand is Elevate because we're elevating your look. <laughs> and, and you're a mile high in elevation. So and we're, it, we are a mile it all makes sense in this weird kind of crazy way. I, I mean, you know, I love the wheels. I love all the stuff you've got here. Um, where can people get more information about this new line of Aqua stuff, all the, the water alcohol and alcohol re- uh, activated stuff? Where can people get more information about Mile High FX, and are you going to be vending at any more shows? So for the rest of this, um, well, to find us, you can go to milehighfx.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and our new TikTok channel. Please subscribe on TikTok. We need people. Everybody does TikTok (laughs) these days. Still don't. I don't know. Uh, We're a very visual company, so it made sense, but we definitely need followers. I I still don't understand TikTok. I never will. (laughs) I have people for that now. There you go. so um, on pretty much every social media, Mile High FX or MileHighFX.com. And our show schedule for the rest of the year, we have the Southeast... Southeast Hollows Convention in Savannah. That one, yes. We have that one. That's in early May. Yep. We have um, Idaho. Um, well, it's Horrorween Con Idaho in July. And then we are thinking about doing Midsummer. We're not quite sure. we got to talk to David still. I love that show. Oh, I, I love that show, too. It's just... It's going to be a big jump for us because, as you see, we are restarting again. Yes. So, yep. But uh, Midsummer is tentative, but we're confirmed for the Savannah show as well as the uh, um, Idaho. The Idaho show. Oh, and um, there's a halfway to Halloween show in April that uh, Cliff is doing, uh, Lady Fright. Down in Tennessee. Yeah, in Tennessee. Okay. We're, we're going to do that one as is well. Is that information on your website? That is all on the website on the conventions tab. Excellent. So go to milehighfx.com. <laughs> Check out all the line of all the cool all the cool makeup here. Mike, it's so glad to have you back in the convention scene again, vending and all that stuff. We look forward to seeing you yet many, many more. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be back. And so are we. And once again, folks, Drew Badger here at Fear Expo in Owensboro, Kentucky for the Big Scary Show. And we're out. Ohio Haunted House owners, actors, and enthusiasts, join the new Ohio Haunters Association. We are working with haunters across the state, from home to pro, to strengthen the Ohio haunt community. Open to all owners, actors, makeup artists, prop builders, designers, and Halloween paranormal enthusiasts. The Ohio Haunters Association, where haunting is the heart of it all. Look for us on Facebook. Hello everybody, Drew Badger here. We're live at Fear Expo in Owensboro, Kentucky. And if you listened to the last show, 
You probably heard this guy talking about lighting. That, of course, is Tim Frank with with Haunt LEDs. Tim, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you guys? Good. The uh, show has been good for you, I assume? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, I'm actually above profit, so it's going really well. And you are in what they call, I guess, the Neon Nightmare area. This is kind of, a, I guess, a dark zone. They've turned out the lights. Pretty much the only thing lighting up everything is uh, LEDs and some 3D stuff. It's pretty cool. Yep, that's correct. What? How has have you had a chance to walk around and see everything oh, else? Yeah, every, everything looks awesome. It's it's really good. Excellent. So again, glad you guys could have been on the show last time. You know, it's always important to talk about lighting, especially in an area like this where it's so dark. You right. you put this stuff outside in the light, and it just isn't as effective. But man, it's nice here. Yeah, yeah. So what have, what have you got going on? I mean, I mean, I, I see everything being illuminated here, and yeah. So, what have, so on the front of my booth, um, I have flickering LEDs, and then when you walk into the booth, um, it's supposed to be like white and warm white lighting, and then you would trigger a sensor, and that would turn the whole booth into a color so a whole different atmosphere it, it, it's pretty neat effect uh, like you were talking about and you know you can't really see anything until that happens and it's, right. it, it's really cool the way that it has yep correct so for people wanting information on haunt leds how can they get more information with the websites and social medias once again um facebook twitter instagram tiktok's all haunt leds and then um hauntleds.net are you going to be at any other shows this year um, I might be at Midwest Hunters Convention, possibly in June. Well, you made profit. You could probably buy yourself a booth there at this right. time. You never exactly. know. So exactly. Well, Tim, it's great to uh, finally meet you in yep. person here. You Thank you well. for being on the show last week. And here at Fear Expo, checking out Haunt LEDs, hauntleds.com. My name is Drew Badger for The Big Scary Show at Fear Expo. And we're out. It's time for Ask the Old Crone. <laughs> the guest on this episode's Roundtable of Terror shared a lot of great information on creating and using sound in your haunt. Now I'm going to share with you my experience using a free recording software called Audacity. That's A-U-D-A-C-I-T-Y. There are several recording softwares available and many are free or low cost and you can choose programs for either Windows or Mac. I've tried a few different ones but really liked how quick it was to learn and use Audacity. I began using it for recording a 10 episode audio drama several years ago and it was easy to edit dialogue, add sound effects and background music. Admittedly I feel my editing and production skills were much better by the last episode than the first but we all have to start somewhere, right? Hmm. Maybe someday I'll do some re-editing and release it again. This is also the program I use to record and edit my segments for The Big Scary Show. After I learned how to use recording software, I began creating my own sound effects and backgrounds for my haunt. Let's walk through one of my sound effects I made last season. Using a little bit of inspiration from Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds, I decided to create a room full of birds, crows more specifically. So to create the soundscape for this room, I went to my favorite website for royalty-free sound files and music called freesound.org and searched until I found just what I was looking for. Now freesound.org is free and has a huge library of almost anything you'd want. So this is the original file that I downloaded.
sounds good, but didn't have quite enough punch for me. So with Audacity, I was able to add multiple layers to make it sound like there were a lot of grows. Now, if I wanted to add music behind the crows, I could pick something and layer it in. I'm sure you can definitely tell the difference from one step to the next, and it was really very easy to do. Now, with Audacity, I can also say something, record just my voice, and I can create different effects, like echoing, like echoing. Like Speeding it up. Slowing it down. I can also take out all of the um and clicks and things like that that I don't want anyone to hear to make me sound much more intelligent than I probably am. So I am glad I was able to share with you some of your options like free recording software so that you can create your own unique sound effects and music for your haunt that nobody else is going to have. So until next time. Don't forget to stir the cauldron. Hello, everybody. Drew Badger here. It is Fear Expo in Owensboro, Kentucky. We're having a great time. We're walking around checking out all the boots, all the cool stuff. It is Sunday. I'm doing a little shopping right now, and I have just made a purchase here at Scareco Creations based out of Kentucky. They have a great line of costumes. They've got patches. They've got all sorts of neat stuff here. I'm talking to Kevin. How are you doing, sir? Doing amazing. Doing amazing. I assume that means that the show has been very good for you. Yes, um, we've done really well at the show. Is this your first year or second? This is our second year. And I, I'm from everybody I've talked to that was here last year, it's like night and day as far as the improvements that were made this year. We showed up last year with one table and a few patches, and this is what we showed up this year, and we were already talking about getting a bigger booth for next year. Well, since this translates so well to radio, let, let's talk about what you've got here. What, what are some of the things that Scarecrow is, Scarecrow, God, I'm never going to say that right, is uh, famous for here? Uh, we would like to say that Scarecrow, we're your one-stop shop for costume and props. We can make anything from costumes to hammers to patches, embroidery. We do hand towels. Any name tapes, anything that you could imagine, we can make it. Now, you've got one over here that's got a, shall we say, religious theming on there. I saw somebody walking around yesterday dressed in this. Was this one of yours? Or that was me. That was you walking around. This is What is this exactly? You know, you've got a set here. It looks like a an evil pope and an evil nun type thing. Yeah, this was uh, her ideal. It was, she's really big into a band, so it was influenced by Ghost. Ghost, of course. And, of course uh, it was. Yep, so she's a big Ghost fan. And um, well, haunters love ghosts in general, and yeah. the, and the, it's a cool band. Yeah, haunters haunters <laughs> really love ghosts. So we wanted to put our own spin on it, and this is completely handmade by her. Every bit of it. It's uh, the detail is amazing, and of course, this translates so well to a podcast. The nun outfit is striking, uh, very well detailed. What are some of these other costumes? You've got a whole rack of what looked like clown outfits. You've got. You know, mad scientists looking things, scarecrows, all sorts of just crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah, we have the pig butcher. We call him Pig Slit. Um, nice. We've got him. We've got a scarecrow. We've got some of the evil Santa elves. We are trying to specialize more for girl costumes because a lot of the people don't do that now. So we've had two or three different designs of girl costumes, and they've all sold. Um, we're doing the ringmaster. That's going to be a new one that we just brought out for this show. And then just trying to keep like a circus sideshow theme. 
And it's it's great that you're doing a lot of female costumes because you know let let's face it you know guys don't look well in costume in you know female costumes females don't look good in guy costumes with fittings and stuff like that unless you do a specific character or so for that and it's nice that people are getting and understanding more that that female costumes need to be built slightly different. That is true. Um, we are traveling haunt actors. We go to different states and do all kinds of different haunts. So we actually use the products that we make and that's how we incorporate like our clown suits they all have pockets they have removable pom-pom balls they're easy for one person to get in and out of if you have to go use the restroom you don't have to have everybody in your clown house let you out so everybody can stay put so we're trying all the problems that we've ran into we're trying to fix so trying to find her stuff it's really hard to find female stuff she is a professional seamstress. She graduated from the Art Institute of Philadelphia, and she's a fashion designer. Nice. So we've turned our embroidery business with one or two costumes into a bunch of costumes and a few embroidery. So we're capitalizing. And, and, and I'm assuming that a lot of the female costumes actually have pockets? Yes. <laughs> You know, there you go right there. Every female actor out there has just decided that they're probably going to come by from you now because, you know, what, what's up with no pockets on female fashions? I don't know. I'm a guy. I have pockets. And real size pockets, too. <laughs> and real size that function. So if I came to you and I said, you know, hey, I'm doing a clown theme or I'm doing a, an evil chapel or I'm doing it at the same time, do you do custom work or do you, you know, modify what you already have? How, how does that work? Everything we make is from scratch. We can do anything from size super small to however X that you want done because we do 99% of everything here is custom made by us. So when we get it, you give us an ideal. If you don't see what's on the shelf, we'll sketch it out. You like it, and we'll make it. And how modifiable are there? You know, like tuxedos and things, you can go from a waist size 34 to 37 or something like that. Are these just pretty much tailored to one person? Or maybe somebody who's a size 8 can wear a size 10, or somebody who wears a, a 36 waist, can they wear a 40 waist? Are they modifiable in any way like that? All of our, sh the ones we bring to the show, we especially make them from size small to 2X. Okay. So anybody from small to 2X can wear most of what we have here. Really? Anything bigger than that, we can make them because we do elastic. We've had guys with a, what was he, a 56-inch chest in our clown suit that we say is a 2X. That, that's that's big <laughs> that's big <laughs> holy cow and you are based in kentucky and again like you do all this custom work and with a professional seamstress and everything how can people get more information on scare co-creations maybe i i have a maybe i have a haunt character that i want a custom costume made or maybe i want to see the catalog of some of these items maybe i want to put some patches on my battle vest like i just bought today how can people get more information with websites and social medias they can go to scarecocreations.com or you can check us out on facebook at scare co-creations and not Scarecrow, but Scareco, C-A-R-E-C-O, creations.com. Kevin, a pleasure to have you here on the Big Scary Show. Congratulations on having a good event here. I look forward to seeing some of these in my local haunts in, the, in around the area. You know, folks, costuming is a, not a lost art anymore. It's, it's so much more complicated than just going to Spirit Halloween and, and buying something. So anyway, folks, go to ScarecoCreations.com. My name is Drew Badger here at Fear Expo in... Owensboro, Kentucky, and we're out. Thank you so much. Enter the haunted world of Fright Find and discover an environment dedicated 
to promoting your haunt. Target customers who will influence others on attending haunt attractions as Fright Find brings in scream seekers looking for haunted places, events, and accommodations of every sort. Various exposure options give you the ability to reach your audience throughout the year. Don't be afraid. Go to FrightFind.com now to add your haunt for free and see for yourself the difference FrightFind will make in your haunt listing. You may think you are normal, but you are all the product of mutations. Your ancestors, our ancestors, were freaks. The Mutations, a journey into the world of monsters and madmen. He's one of us. We accept you. He's one of us. Yes. Our brother. Cheryl! Our loving father. Enter a world of freaks. Get back! Stay away from this! The Mutations. From Columbia Pictures, rated R. Under 17, not admitted without parent. The Mutations. Once created... They can never be stopped. Hello, everybody. Drew Badger here. We're live at Fear Expo in Owensboro, Kentucky. It's Sunday afternoon. We're starting to wind things down. Crowds are making final purchases. Sellers are making final sales. And I think everybody here is tired and happy. I've had a fantastic time here. Um, not quite what I expected. I think it's turned out better than what I expected because I, I really didn't know what I was getting myself into. You hear things. You know, it's all that stuff out there. So we're at the show. You've heard the interview so far. You judge for yourself. But I just thought we'd get a few minutes in with the owner of Fear Expo. Get his thoughts on this show Year two, a lot of change from last year. Doug Sheldon, it's been a fun weekend. What can I say? I tell you what, I think everyone is worn out. <laughs> I mean, you there were some late night shenanigans last yeah. <laughs> But I tell you what, I agree with you. I've talked to all the vendors. Everyone is super excited about the show. They had a great show. Um, we, we doubled our attendance year over year, and if we keep doing that, that's the pace we want to do. Um, increased our vendors. Matter of fact, to the point that, um, you know, there's only a few spots already for next year. So, you know, if there's a vendor who's looking to be part of this, they need to do it early because we actually sold out two months early for this show for vendor spots, and I'm predicting it's going to be even earlier next year. Well, it sounds like, you know, most people have had a great show. You know, the people I've talked to, they've said, You know, sales are brisk. I know a couple of haunt owners that have dropped four figures at various places or have spent collectively over the weekend. So somebody's buying something, someone's selling something, and it looks like everyone's having a good time. Definitely, definitely. There's there's a lot of people here, a lot of good buyers on the floor, and I I think the way we set things up, uh, it was was for success, and and that's where where we ended up being. Absolutely. Now, I... I don't want to get into this too much, but I, I feel we have to, you know. There's been controversy surrounding the show that, you know, everyone everyone will admit, you know, there's there's talk. You, you are the talk of the industry at the moment, especially this weekend. 
I think a lot of the people who are here will say that they have overall had a really good time. I know a lot of people who came in here with low expectations, and those expectations have been exceeded. I know some people that have come in here with zero expectations. I wasn't going to be here until literally like four days before the show, and I came in here thinking, I don't know what I'm getting myself into. I have been pleasantly surprised, and I have to thank you and your staff for making this an actually very enjoyable weekend. Your staff has been on top of things. They have they have come up multiple times asking if we needed anything. They were very helpful with loading in and loading out and all this great stuff. So I have to congratulate you on that. And the people who are here, pretty much everybody that I've talked to, and we've had a lot of people at the booth, and I've talked to a lot of people at their vendor vendor booths, they all seem to have the same, same opinion, that you and your staff have exceeded expectations, for lack of a better word. Yeah, that's um, – and for – for everyone here to to say that really means a lot to us because every one of the staff that's here they are not just staff they are they are part of this show um, they all have that that pride of seeing this show go somewhere um, you know the we have people coming up to us at this show saying how can we be part of your team and um, we're, that's the great thing about this is this is going to grow like a family. We pay our employees. We don't have volunteers. So everyone here is making money, um, you know, vendors, but also the employees. So, I mean, in, in treating people like that where, where they make money and they, they, then they go and spend stuff at vendors' booths as well. So, I mean, it's just a good circle, and we're going to keep growing the right way. Um, you know, next year we've, we've got a couple more surprises that we're going to bring out. Is there any surprises that you can bring out at this point? So what I would like to say is initially we went ahead and announced our dates to be March 24th for 2024. We have talked to other vendors. They said they needed a little more time in between shows. So our new dates are the second week in April. Breaking news. Ah, there you go. Breaking news. Our new dates are the second week in April, which is April 12th, Owensboro, Kentucky. It's that Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, I don't have, so what, I think it's 11th, 12th, and 13th. But anyways, um, yep, we're going we're gonna to do it bigger, better, and louder. And then we're going to have a brand new Ultimate Haunt Tour. Um, so super excited about getting all of you guys out here next year. Well, at some point when you're ready to tell us where that Ultimate Haunt Tour is going, we certainly would like to know that so we can get the word out here. But um, <clears throat> I just want to again one more time say thank you for letting us come out and cover this show. It has been a lot of fun. I know that Jim was supposed to come out here, and unfortunately he couldn't, but I'm sure he will be here next year. We will make sure of that if we, can, <laughs> if we have to drag his carcass out here. But, you know, I, I think that a lot of the uh, issues from last year have been resolved. I think, you know, every show has their issues. But I think that uh, a lot of, the, I mean, just small touches and just little tweaks here and there have made a vast difference. And I think that the, the results speak for themselves. And I've seen, you know, a lot of people carrying cool stuff out of here. I've seen a lot of vendors just saying, yeah, I don't have to carry everything back. You know, it, it just looks like it's a successful show. It's a small show. It's growing. And hopefully it will grow again and continue to grow. But again... You're not trying to be the biggest, you know, the, the elephant in the china shop or whatever. You're in your second year. You know, when you've been here 25 years, you know, let, let's talk. But, but, at, for, but for now, for a second-year show, I think everyone's pretty much overall happy. And I'm sure there will be complaints. 
and I'm sure you will address them, and I'm sure that there is a way for people to express their concerns to you. But, you know, you, you've got a nice, solid foundation here, and, I, and I'm, I'm very happy that uh, we were able to get out here. Well, I tell you what, we appreciate the fact that you came out. Um, you know, we wanted Jim, but we settled for you. Yeah, settling for me is, you know, if, if I had a dollar for every time I was settled for, I'd probably have like $94. But, you know, whatever. I, I'm, I'm happy I made it. No, I, I'm so glad that you're here. Um, and and, and the, the coolest thing about that is, and I don't want to go into the whole rumor, this, that, or whatever. No, sure. But the fact is, you were here, you saw it. Transparency is, is the way that, that you get rid of that kind of stuff. So... That's that with that. We don't got to worry about that. Let's just go ahead and look forward to 2024 and have an absolutely amazing summer build for the haunts. A great haunt season coming up in October. Make lots of money, and then let's come back here next year and have some fun. It sounds like a plan, and, and I agree with that, that you know, it, it literally is, folks, a business. And as a very famous person in the industry says, if you run out of money, you don't get to play anymore. So let's play for another year, folks. Everybody seems to have had a good time here. Now, once again, those new show dates, which I'm, I'm assuming will be up on your website very, very shortly, are what? April 11th, 12th, and 13th. And the haunt tour would probably be the 10th then? Yes, that's correct. It would be the Thursday, the 10th. Okay, and where can people, if I was a vendor and I was on the fence about coming here and now I'm hearing all these interviews and other things and I'm interested in coming, Maybe I want to go ahead and start making those plans. How can people get that information, websites, social medias? So that's going to be fearexpolive.com, or you can visit us at fearexpo um, on Facebook or Twitter. Well, Doug, again, thank you for letting us come out here. Once again, we've had a good time. You listen to the rest of the interviews on the show, folks, because we, we've made a lot of friends here. We've, we've had people coming up to the show and saying, hey, love you guys. Seen a bunch of people I haven't seen in a lot of time because a lot of people didn't go to another show this year because of dates, which is fine. So it's nice to kind of have a, a nice reunion of sorts with a lot of people. And again, one more time, thank you to Jason, your floor manager, and your staff, you know, bringing waters by, asking if we need anything, helping people load in and out. This is... This is a very nice touch, and we're, we're very thankful your guys are, are there to do that. I appreciate it, too, and thank you for being here. We'll see you again next year. We will do what we can to be here. Once again, folks, FearExpoLive.com. New dates coming April 2024. Doug Sheldon, thank you for being here on The Big Scary Show. My name is Drew Badger in Owensboro, Kentucky, winding down Fear Expo 2023. We're out. Dante Tomaselli, Dark Knight of the Soul, on the Big Scary Show.
Yourself. If they're worth dressing right, they're worth Von Karam. When you scare enough to wear the very best. Boncaron.com. V-O-N-C-H-A-R-O-N.com. As we slide back into the swamp where we hid the body, we would like to thank the following sponsors. Screamline Studios. Creepy Collection. Dark Imaginings. Fright Finder, Haunt Pay, Von Caron Productions, and VFX Creates. We'd also like to thank Virgil Franklin, Master of the Ether Muse. And we couldn't do this without the three ghosts, including Badger, Haunt Consulting and more, rabidbadger.org, Meat Hook Jim, Check out his other podcast at WrestleHorror.com and Storm, Rants and More, HauntMinute.com And finally, you, the listener. Without you, we are nothing. The Big Scary Show is copyright Big Scary Show LLC and no rebroadcast of this show may be made without express permission of the owners. All music used on The Big Scary Show is used with expressed permission of the artists themselves.